The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Ryder Cat, and you can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. And you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. I had to bring it back every once in a while. I was wondering why you was cheesing so hard right then. And that voice and sound effects you hear come from none other than our man in Brooklyn. One, Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Going out to all. Indeed. Indeed. And you can find this here podcast on the Coastal Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. You could also find us, this podcast on your podcast virtual place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and follow us to make sure you stay up to date. Uh, you can also find us recording uh, every Thursday night, uh, with exception of next week, but we'll get into that later, um, on the uh, the um, blah, 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 the YouTube channel of The Click Nation, that's youtube.com slash The Click Nation, and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Again, make sure to hit like, subscribe, and follow, and hit the notification bell so you know when we are recording. Oh, yeah. And, folks, uh, we are going to get vastly into the comic books of the week. Starting off with uh, Black Widow, number 12. Black Widow, number 12, is written by Kelly Thompson, with art, as always, by Elena Casagrande. Inks are by uh, Elisabetta D'Amico. Colors are by Jordi Belair. And letters by VC's Corey Pettit. So this is a direct follow-up to issue number 11, which found uh, Black Widow and her newly created support team, basically, uh, on, the, on the hunt. They're pursuing a group of uh, one percenters, basically, who are behind uh, some – who are basically crafting a threat to San Francisco, which is where Black Widow has decided to take up residence. And – uh, the issue actually opens with a quick, uh, I, I guess, a quick flashback, sort of, kind of a dream sequence slash flashback, because we get some 
repercussions that may have come out of the Black Widow looking into the whereabouts of, and this is a spoiler alert, so if you have not been reading Kelly Thompson's Black Widow, you you know, this is actually a big spoiler for the entire series. So I'm going to ring the spoiler bell here and uh, just be advised that uh, this particular concept was introduced in this series. So, and it's a big one. Right. So I'm going to ring the spoiler bell. Okay. So I rang the bell, make sure to fast forward. But the bottom line here is that through, uh, you know, artificial aging and technology, uh, Natasha was able to essentially give birth to a child and have a husband uh, for an indeterminate length of time. But to her, it seemed like a long time because the kid is a toddler. And uh, as a result of the story, the way the story basically uh, wrapped and took care of the uh, the child and the husband, basically uh, Bucky found a way to send them away, basically put them into witness protection with the agreement that Natasha would never, ever try to look for them. But guess what? She did. And so at the very beginning of the issue, we have some of the repercussions that come from that. Not necessarily repercussions, but definitely a conversation uh, between Bucky and Natasha about her looking for them and what, you know, and where we go from there is going to be a continuing story. So if you pick if you pick this issue up and are confused, I definitely recommend we both definitely recommend to go back to the first arc in this Black Widow series. Yeah, indeed. And it was it was good. So you should you should uh definitely go check it out if you are um you have interest in, in Black Widow cuz it very was and it ended on a very uh I don't know if bittersweet is the right right word, but um yeah, it ended it ended kind of kind of weirdly, but that also laid the ground of what's going on right now. Um and yeah, so back into this issue, we uh after that flashback, we kind of get into the current goings on after uh the events of last issue uh getting some information from a set of crimson type twins uh about who's kind of making said noise that uh Agent 70 mentioned earlier in San Francisco. Of which apparently Natasha was like, "Well, yeah, they probably probably told them we're coming, so we might as well go in." Um, there's no real use to kind of going undercover. They infiltrate this um, this uh, ball, this gala, which is not unlike the the, the recent gala we were talking about uh, in the the pages of X Men and and the like. Uh, right, that's, that's going on in um, that was going on in uh, in San Francisco. So they infiltrated to get for for what reason I can't remember. Well, I guess they were trying to get to, to try to find out about the people, like I said. Um and they come to find out there's a little bit more going on than what they'd bargained for, apparently. And uh near the end of this we get someone that apparently is new, but uh someone that Natasha knows seems to know about from a past uh from past dealings. So, and also we come to find out that, um, Bucky is kind of in his feelings, uh, coming out of that, uh, the, 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 the beginning of this issue, not just because of, uh, the fact that Natasha went and looked for her, her old, uh, fabricated family. Right. Uh, but I guess his status with her and 
within this group because he seemed to have he seemed to be all up in his feelings uh, about it during the course of this right which is slightly kind of amusing because they were talking about talking about clint and it was like in all the while all along comms where people can hear him what Mm -hmm. you saying i was gonna say variety cat have you watched squid game yet on netflix nope i'm probably one of the one or two people who have not Okay, because there is something very reminiscent of Squid Game here, at least huh. uh, mask-wise, let's say. Oh, okay. Oh, I have, yeah, I've seen the mask, that, that, the, the PlayStation-looking mask that they have on, and I think I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't uh, think about that at the time when I was reading it. Right, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, uh, this particular mask plays a small role in some of the great, uh, choreographed drawn sequences Mm -hmm. that Elena Casagrande has made a signature of her time on this book of her work on this book. It is excellent stuff. There's even some dialogue in here where Yelena says, next time you wish to use me as a pommel horse, please ask. And I kind of chuckled at that. Oh yeah. It was a hallway fight folks. Just straight out of uh, the, um, the Netflix series (laughs) you might as well say. Which, right. as Age of 70 said, yeah, it was definitely um, uh, depicted quite well. So, and, and worth the uh, the read, even if you didn't know what was going on in prior issues. Which you don't necessarily need to for this, but, you know, like I said, it, it's worth kind of mm-hmm. catching up for that also. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a, um, a pretty good reason, uh, issue. I would almost go so far as to say it's a particular look of the week but for that sequence and, and, and a couple other art choices. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm just kind of curious to see what's going on with that uh, the person that shows up uh, uh, at the end of this. Yeah, Black Widow is consistent quality. This is one of the... This has been one of the most consistent books that we've been reading uh, between the between the, the two of us and even uh, amongst... Uh, probably uh, the rest of the panel, if they are reading it, they would probably agree. This has been this is definitely a book that you can actually recommend to folks who are looking to pick up comics because it is it is not necessarily completely uh, apart from the rest of the Marvel comic book universe, but it is definitely. I don't want to say insulated. Insulated is probably not the right word, but they're definitely giving Kelly Thompson some room to explore this new status quo for the Black Widow out in right. San Francisco. Right. It it is it's, it's safe to say that it's definitely almost it's not necessarily in its own full world, but it's definitely in its own corner of uh, this world. That's fair. Yeah. So. Right. And so that with that, it's easier to recommend this to someone who's not necessarily looking to dive into the entire marvel comic book universe right because yeah nothing in here so far has uh um impacted the the universe at large and it probably won't i it's almost safe to say um i mean you could quibble and ask so i thought bucky was on a trip across the country with with uh captain america with all the other captains america right but you know, it's not. It's nothing to quibble about. Well, I, and also feel like that's kind of goes into well. There's a there's a time frame here that this could have been before that, or could have been after that. We don't know, and it doesn't. It re- kind of doesn't really matter. So, except for the ones who are trying to figure out how it all fits. 
You know, that's that's one of those questions that I always get from people who are just trying out comics. Sure. So how does this all fit together? Right. So. And sometimes, as we have even, we have to do sometimes, and we have had those self-same conversations on this show, uh, we've had to kind of let go of because of we know full well that it's something. Right. There's only so much, right. There's only so much we can do to uh, to fit it in. Which is actually kind of funny because I don't know if we're going to talk about it. There is another. We did find out that there is another. Uh, that is a connection that we hinted about. Of uh, the hinted about that that has been confirmed of the time frame of in, in a couple of cases uh, this week. So there there are little things, but sometimes you yeah you do tend to think about it. Um, oh yeah, and, I mean we're definitely going to get to that. When we get to the X corner of the Marvel Universe. That too, yes. Um, so, but anyway, we will move on from this book. <clears throat> Much next. So, yeah, let us go to... I don't know, you pick. Do you want to touch on Amazing? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Only because we don't have that many... Uh, books in common this week so we might as well knock these out and then start rapid firing through the rest or sure. give however much time we want to some of the other books sure so yeah. we are now about to speak on amazing spider-man number 77 the writer on this issue is kelly thompson the artist is sarah Pacelli. the colorist is nolan Wood- woodard and the letterer is our favorite python from vc Joe Cara Mania. So we open this issue with um, a training session between Ben Riley, who thinks he's Spider-Man, and uh, the Daughters of the Dragon, a.k.a. Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. And interestingly... As Roddy Cat just mentioned, in this issue, we get a little editorial blurb about when Ben, Riley, and Colleen... Actually, no, it's not It's not a blurb. It's actually in the letters column. Is it in the letters column? No, it was a... It was a they pretty much uh, mentioned in a footnote on one of the panels, in a panel. Oh, okay. I couldn't remember. Right. I couldn't remember. I remember seeing. I remember seeing it quickly, and I'm just searching for it now as I click through our review copy. That's why <laughs> I am. That's why I was kind of curious. Right. But ultimately, what we find out is that the episodes, the the issues of Iron Man that are currently uh, that are happening or being printed right now. That's probably the best way to put it. They're being printed now in the pages of Iron Man in which Iron Man and a bunch of B and C and even D listers are in space on an adventure trying to stop uh, Korvac from acquiring the power cosmic from Galactus's world ship. It turns out that uh, Misty is amongst this crew along with Ben Riley, Spider-Man, and they make a note in this issue that that is where they become acquainted, leading to the events of... Uh, leading to these events in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man in the Beyond storyline, right? Because we, uh, if if you've uh, listened to the show in the last couple of uh, episodes, that we, yeah, we kind of wondered about that going into this. But when when they was like, well, well we know we even kind of speculated then that that was the case, and we got confirmation of that in this. So I'm like, well, that's a nice touch, even though it's still kind of weird. Um, also, right. it was kind of weird to me. It was like. 
now I know depending on who write who's writing them and whatever the case, and I know Spider Man is not like the strongest or you know or whatever. It was kind of weird to me to see that, and and don't get me wrong, the Daughters of the Dragon, no joke. You know they're 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 good at what they do. They're 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 great fighters. But the fact that they were kind of almost getting the jump on on Ben was like, yeah, this is why you're a, a third great a third rate Spider Man, <laughs> right? You know, because it was like they were just pretty much uh, going at him, and I, I think he was probably just going off the strengths of his, his spider sense. Which, granted, Peter does too, but still, he, he had, at the very least, you know, in in all of his experiences, has, or at least it can be said in a way that um, right. Well, depending on the writer, it's exactly. always depending on the writer. Right. You know, this is one of the things that we, as a panel, have come to learn over the course of these many years of podcasting is that it's almost always depending upon what the writer, the story that the writer wants to tell, uh, and and which determines the abilities and the strengths and weaknesses that characters may or may not portray or, or have. Uh, I, I finally found the note. I realized that it's a note that's not on a page that has Misty or Colleen on it. So I had to keep clicking and find it. But, uh, but but, you know, as, as we were saying, we 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 essentially catch up with Ben Riley as he is going through the paces of being trained up, as it were, mm-hmm. to catch up to where he should be as a as an active as the active Spider Man by the Beyond Corporation. He has uh, therapy sessions with uh, the ironically named Doctor Kafka. <laughs> meanwhile, we have right. Meanwhile, we get a, a little bit of a uh, a check in with uh, Aunt May and Mary Jane on uh, the condition of Peter Parker. And what's being teased is that Aunt May is going to step away and uh, consult with. And if you read solicitations, we know who she's going to consult with. Right. It's something that she has a history with. Very much not having it (laughs) with with this. Right. And uh, ultimately we, she even asks Mary Jane. So, you know, have you tried talking to Stark and uh, you know, because, because of her job and, in this issue, Stark is still off planet somehow, right. away from Ben Riley and Misty Knight. So apparently they come back before he does. Or well, yeah, because we we already know from solicitations and whatnot that yeah, he's got a, a power upgrade, so we don't know whether he's going to we're assuming he's still going to be out in state space while they come back to Earth, or either he has come back to Earth and just dealing with the repercussions of what happened out there because of his, his newfound powers. And right. that's why and he's even, not picking oh, up. Go ahead. Finish up. No, I was about to say, and that's why he's not picking up. That's all I was going to say. Right. And we also get uh, a tie-in uh, with the event, the current events of the death of Dr. Strange because Mary Jane also says she reached out to Dr. Strange and didn't get an answer, presumably because he, well, she doesn't know this, but presumably, presumably because he's dead. Right. Or at least this version of Dr. Strange is dead. Right, the present day version is dead, but there is one still still around somehow. Um, exactly. So, death of Dr. right. So, talk about putting this issue of Amazing Spider-Man directly into context with uh, several of the other events currently being, uh, several of the other stories that are currently being told in the other parts of the Marvel universe. Right. Another reason why that would even come up because as of the last that last arc, Doctor Strange was in this book. 
Right. Unbeknownst to Mary Jane. And, well, I guess maybe she, I don't know if she didn't know about that, but you know, he was, he was around whether, whether anybody, you know, well, Peter knew about it at one point, but after, after the thing started jumping off, you know, it, it, it was what it was. So. Mm-hmm. And finally, in this issue, we have Ben Riley uh, being taken away from a quiet night with his coincidentally redheaded girlfriend mm-hmm. uh, to teleport away. You got to love it. Teleport away to deal with one Michael Morbius. And things do not go well for Ben Riley. Yeah, he takes another L. Pretty much. Pretty much. So we will be back in another week with another issue of Amazing Spider-Man. And we'll see how much longer we decide to stick with this story. I told Roddy Cat, this is what they're going to do. They're going to drag out what they're going to do with Peter this entire time. Yeah, I still think they're going to go. They're, they're going to let it go for a minute. But yeah, we'll see. Um, I think there was um, something that was um, that was kind of funny and important to me that happened in this issue um, that, that that wasn't mentioned was that we get to meet the I don't wait. She's I don't know if she's the head of the Beyond Core, but she's definitely a, a higher up person uh, in the Beyond Core. And there was also a reference to uh, Next Wave. I don't know if Agent Seventy has read Next Wave, but if he hasn't, he should. Uh, only only in bits and pieces. Because there was definitely a reference, and as far as I know, Next Wave is not in this universe, but it has been referenced by Monica Rambeau in in the six one six. So, but the fact that the reference um, was it the broccoli men or yes. the killer drop bears? Yep. Okay, I kind of figured. And the fact that so, and I thought that the person, so the person's name was Maxine Danger, um, to which I thought maybe possibly was the daughter of the what ended up to being spoiler alert the the bad guy of Next Wave, whose name was Dirk uh, Anger, but I don't doesn't seem to be the case, or maybe it will be the case, and you know and. We don't we don't know that comes but their names are kind of similar, so that's what maybe Yeah, that's not a bad bit of sleuthing there. Yeah. So but and the fact that she was the one who who made those references, I'm like, wait, she how in the world you, you don't just make those references out of nowhere unless you know you know for for no apparent reason. Plus she works for the Beyond Core, which was the, the, the you know, which was all up and through next wave. That's why so every time I've seen Beyond come up recently, I was like, Wait a minute, is that gonna be a next wave reference? And sure enough, right. there was one in this issue. So that is kind of curious. And even even during that whole scene, what was going on in the background, sort of saying when she was talking to Ben uh, on their little walk and talk, like yeah, that's that's the kind of stuff that would have happened in um in the next wave. So I'm very curious as to how much, um, if anything, next wave is gonna, if if anything has anything to do with. Uh, this book that is the only thing i'm kind of curious about as far as this uh spider-man is concerned yeah. outside of well outside of the fact that why in the world are the daughters of the dragon working with beyond core but that's you know that that's a whole nother situation the rent is too damn high that's why and it's true because you got to go do something i mean i'm glad to see them don't go wrong they deserve their own book uh that's it but you know is i maybe something's gonna bear out after that anyway we can move on to something else <laughs> <laughs> All right, so President Bartlett. What's next? 
How about we move over to one of the only other books that we have in common, Inferno number two? Mm, we got a couple, but sure. All right, bet. Hit it. Well, what's the other one? Because other than that, we have Robin, Robin and Marauders. That's it. Well, Mar- Moon Knight, Robin. Oh, Moon Oh, I didn't see Moon Knight on your list. Yeah, because I just read it before we... Before we oh, okay. Okay, okay. Uh, what, do you want to go with Moon Knight? No, go with Inferno. No, that's, that's the... All right, I will jump to Inferno because this is yet another book where we're trying to figure out how things place in terms of the current Marvel storytelling timeline. (laughs) So Inferno number two is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Stefano Caselli, colors by David Curiel, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So this is... A direct follow-up, obviously, to the previous issue of Inferno, and we have some machinations that reveal how we got to the cliffhanger page at the end of issue number one of Inferno, which involved a reveal that a resurrection had taken place unbeknownst to uh, most of the, uh, the the Krakoan Council, and especially unbeknownst to Professor X and Magneto. And in this issue, we found out how Mystique was able to pull this off. And I had some questions about this. I had some questions about this. But right. bottom line, without going through step by step what ends up happening, we get the big reveal as to how at all the steps, we get the reveal of all the steps that Mystique had to t- undertake in order to uh, get uh, spoiler alert here. In order to get Destiny resurrected. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and no, no, I was just going to say, and we find out that the Mystique purposefully resurrected Destiny as a younger woman uh, just so I guess they could have a longer time together. Right. To which, yeah, Destiny, well, I was going to refer to something in my notes, but I'm not going to say that. I'm like, Destiny was kind of already not terribly, you know, wasn't, you know, (laughs) she was, she was old, but she wasn't, you know, she was, she was kind of filled out. But that, that's beside the point. Um, We do definitely get to see some things that we have seen in other X-Books and and, um, and specifically like Toronto Magneto, because yeah, some of the stuff that we saw um that was hinted at or, or outright saw in other in other x books was a part of this plan uh as it seems so i was like okay so that part we saw in trial of magneto you know uh was was part of this and like not at all and all kind of put together um so i was like it was good to see that though i was like all right so so all of that kind of played together into getting to this point and like like you said uh misty kind of had her own uh, machinations going on getting into this so uh, but this causes uh, Professor X and Magneto to kind of um, I guess shore up their defenses um, the best way they can by trying to bring Emma Frost into the fold who um, well, I guess given given revelations, we don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, you know, Emma has always had her own machinations going on. Right, she's always had her own agenda with a lot of these things. Right, but now knowing what we've all known since uh, House of House Hoxpox, uh, what she's going to do, and and even and even they are like, well, have we just made an enemy of Emma Frost? And I was like, I don't even know. 
So pretty much, which leads them to kind of go another route. Um, so that's going to be on the table for for the for the time being, and leads them to go another route to find someone else that they can kind of in not necessarily entrust, but I guess in this case use. Right, trust and use. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Definitely use, but definitely put on the side of trust. And you know, in order to join the Quiet Council, they're you know they're they're looking to to find someone who would be uh, you know pliable. What's that? I I don't want to. Yeah, I don't know about pliable, but definitely someone who they 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 believe is trustworthy. Mm-hmm. On top of being someone they could probably influence. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've all seen this particular character act. With his own conscience, mm-hmm. you know, going all the way back to Avalon, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about like the the inception of the Jim Lee Chris Claremont X Men, you know, just you know, immediately after that, right? So, uh, you know, without spoiling anything here, we just want to remind everyone that it's probably important to read the most recent issue of X-Force, which was X-Force number 24, mm-hmm. which came out last week before reading this issue. I believe it was week before last? No, two weeks ago. Yeah. October 13th. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. No, that's fine. That's fine. Regardless, recent, you know, the, the in the past couple of weeks. And obviously, you uh, you know, if you are reading the X-Books, you know that there's a reading order in the back of it that you can kind of refer, uh, refer to month to month. Uh, so it's, it's sometimes it's kind of good to do that because, yeah, they have things played out for a reason that way. You know, and this was one of those cases. Like, uh, we were talking before the show, I kind of... Uh, skipped out on uh, X-Force 24, so I didn't. So the fact that the, the person who... So the fact that, you know... Do, wait, do we even say who it was that, that ends up... Um, yeah, we did. No, we didn't. No, oh, we so, didn't. I didn't want to spoil it. Okay, so the fact that who ends up being the la- the, the member that... Uh, the last member of the council that shows up at the end of the book, um, the, the fact that that person shows up uh, and in that faction um, kind of comes out of the X-Force book and I'm just like, wait, what is, why? Because even, even probably, I would assume that even if I had read that book, it would still be kind of um, a curious choice, but maybe not because like I said, I didn't get a chance to read it. But I will be going after, going back after the show sometime and, and reading the, the that week's books. Because mm-hmm. very curious. Uh, that being said though, yeah, Inferno... I was about to say one, I was about to say one, one, one thing I wanted to mention Mm-hmm. I was very curious as to how, and I for, I've forgotten what Hope's powers are, because, you know, that was very convenient for Mystique to 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 impersonate a certain character, right? In order to get this resurrection done, and I'm like, did Hope not notice? But there's no telepaths here. I forget what Hope's powers are. She, well, she she does definitely have telepathic powers. Uh, and I think right. she's not maybe not on the level of Cable or Jean Grey or Professor X. Obviously, well, you know what I mean. Might be on the level of Cable because because um, Cable's telekinetic. I mean, telepathic powers are not like genes. You know, um, like he, yes, he has them, but also in this case, she had no reason to use them. 
So she would not think to look into his mind. You know what I'm saying? So it makes sense as to why she wouldn't have any thought about, you know, uh, um, anything being crazy about her doing what happened, you know? Right. But, uh, but at the same time, there is a presence, a telepathic presence that everyone carries. And that's usually how this particular character gets found out. But well, then I look know. at, but, but here's the thing. Now I'm looking at her powers and abilities and I don't necessarily see telepathy. And I think this is why. I feel like it has been said that she has some level of telepathy. I feel like. No, she's an amplifier. Right. She's that an amp- she, she can mimic powers and she can regulate powers and synergize powers. I'm I'm looking on the the fandom. Right. Page, that's what so I was thinking. That's what this I was about is to a, say. She's is, like um, sync. I was about to say that's the caveat, but what my point is is that now it makes a little bit more sense as to how the five don't realize in fact, who is standing before them? Right, but it makes but, more sense to me now. But again, that have no reason wouldn't to... get you know. But 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 my my point being, you know, and just let me finish. My point being, now it makes more sense as to how this particular character's presence goes unnoticed. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm still under the person like they have no reason to check that though, because like, why would they? They have no way to check it. Is more like it in this case. Yeah, even if they did though, why would they? That's what I'm saying. In, in given no but, no, but there's, but there's, you know, you know what it is. It's like the the, the telepaths sometimes have a tough time turning off their powers, yeah. so they can sometimes sense presences, you know, nearby. And you know, like I said earlier, it's up to the writer. That is also and in true. this case, Hickman, right? And in this case, Hickman, I think definitely uh, uh, took advantage of the fact that there are no telepaths in that in, in that group of five. Who yeah. deal with the resurrections? Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll. No, I'm pretty. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah. Well, like I said, we'll defer because I don't. Know. I don't like that. Even I, because I, like... well, I bumped on it. That's the. That's why. That's why I was curious and I wanted to discuss it very quickly. Sure. Because I bumped on. It, I was like, how did Hope? And then it took me a while to realize I just needed to look up her powers. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, said, I thought about it for a second, but then I was like, well, there's that, that's which brought me to what I thought. So that's, uh, you know, like I said, yeah, who knows? Who knows? You, you're probably right. It's, I don't know. It's, it's okay, Roddy Cat. <laughs> like I said, it's not that big of a deal. It's I'm okay not, that we didn't know her powers until we checked. <laughs> no, I did know her powers to a point, but like I said, I, but, um, uh, but the point is. I definitely admitted defeat there. I was just like, hey, I have no idea what her powers are. Let me check. No, because I knew, I knew about the, 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 the synergy part because that has come up in a couple of, a couple of times. Uh, but like I said, the, I thought, and maybe it's because she's, somewhat she's a summers that she might have had some some i feel like she has displayed some level of telepathic powers before and that may have been because of her the nature of her other powers i don't know but regardless that might have been no but that might have been because she was hanging around with cable and she was mimicking his powers maybe but i feel like away from her away from him that has happened i don't know regardless it's, it's, it's irrelevant at this point so i, I still uh, i'm on the thinking that it's, it's and they had no reason to check so but regardless though uh we have a still a big hot button issue going on here because of the fact that destiny has been re-arrest uh being resurrected 
which is and is now on the council. We can definitely say that. And that is called um that is at the very least going to cause some number of issues um throughout the rest of this miniseries. If right. well what we know from Hawkspox is that Moira McTaggart made it uh an edict to not resurrect any um any uh oh my gosh, what's the term for uh people who can see the future? Seers. Uh, any uh, um no. yeah. You know, any Oracle types. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, specifically Destiny because of their dealings with Mm -hmm. each other. Uh, And that fact. So, yeah. So she was none too pleased to find out that Destiny's been been, uh, been resurrected. So, again, like I said, this is going to be a point going into the rest of this um, miniseries and past it, more likely, uh, for, for whatever ends up being the case. (laughs) because <laughs> I know what we got what three more issues right if I'm not mistaken this is five mm-hmm. yep three more so yeah, it's a five issue seeing, series yeah so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what goes on here and how this ends up and how it's going to affect the the rest of uh, the X corner at large that being said let us move on moving um, on actually you know what we're going to um, we're going to rapid fire Sure, rapid fire it is. I ain't got time to bleed. Uh, go for it. All right, well, let's cover the remaining books that we uh, have in common. Uh, Moon Knight number four, it's written by Jed McKay with art by Alessandro Cappuccio, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So I had a feeling that Roddy Cat would enjoy this issue because a guest star is none other than Greer Nelson, a.k.a. Tigra or Tigra. Yep. And uh, they actually say there's actual dialogue in the book about the wackos, a.k.a. the West Coast Avengers. So Mm -hmm. I had a feeling he would appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. But in this issue, we find uh, Mark Spector, Moon Knight, in his Mr. Knight guise, going through another basically mandated therapy session as a result of the age of Conchu business in the uh, in the pages of Avengers. And we find out that uh, a mystery character is manipulating a character who is revealed to be kind of a, a, a hacker type who is looking to put... Uh, Moon Knight out of business literally by hacking into his accounts under the Stephen Grant persona. And ultimately what happens is that Moon Knight is quote unquote manipulated into going after Jigsaw, you know, Jigsaw of um, the Punisher uh, uh, rogues gallery. And what ends up happening is that Moon Knight goes after Jigsaw, but then reroutes himself to discover this computer hacker who is kind of a Jigsaw light. If you look at his image, he's kind of a Jigsaw light. You know, look at his face. Mm-hmm. Uh, what ends up happening is Moon Knight is successful in taking this particular character down. We don't know the complete ramifications of uh, him 
maybe losing his funding. We don't know for sure. That is left in, up in the air for upcoming issues. But uh, we end with a little bit of um, uh, a reconnection between uh, Tigra or Tigra and uh, Moon Knight at the end of the issue. And, you know, Moon Knight dealing with some of his, you know, no pun intended issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've just relented to say Tiger because I have yet to see, hear, or hear anything different in the, especially in animated form because that that has come up. Um, so that's just yeah. But yeah, like I said, that. So I'm kind of actually curious about whether that whole taking the money thing was actually uh, permanent. Because yeah, like yeah, it did happen, and I was like, well, and. Obviously, Mark was like, "Yeah, I don't care. I'm, you know, this, that, and the other, and da 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 da." But I kind of wondered if there was like, well, maybe he did something about that, and we just don't know, you know, um, we just don't know about that part yet. Or, like you said, whether that is going to become an issue in the in the, in the subsequent issues. I guess we'll find out. So, but I did like right. the fact that, um, but I did like, um, like I said. Uh, Tiger coming in and and, and um and um basically telling on, on on Mark, you know, to to his uh to his uh I guess secretary assistant, I don't know what to call the the the, the girl, um uh and then them the talking vampire. at the end. Yeah. yeah. And then them talking at the end. That was all it was kinda cool. But the the whole the issue is all and the whole the whole jigsaw issue, I felt like that was kinda like, well, yeah, sure, I know this other thing's coming on, but I figured since I because even even David said it during the course of the fight, like, well, since I'm here <laughs> like, yeah, I was sent after you, but you know what? Whatever, I'm here. <laughs> right. So, that so the one cool. the one thing on the money issue is that we know that Mark Spector is dealing with several identities. Right. You know, and, you know, with, uh, you know, with this whole multiple personality disorder. And we know that Stephen Grant, if I'm not mistaken, is supposed to be the rich identity, but he may have money also under uh, different names. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. Right. They basically made it sound like all of his other, all of his other, um, identities uh, had their accounts under basically everything flowed through Stephen Grant, AKA the Bruce Wayne <laughs> of his identities. Um, so yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll see how that, how that plays out next up. Next is Marauders number 25 with it's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Phil Noto and letters by VCs, Corey Pettit. So we are back dealing with this uh, wannabe Mr. T um this is Eden Rixio and there's it's basically a, a a fight between the marauders and this Eden Rixio who uh it's a fight between them over a spaceship and it literally looks very much like a stereotypical flying saucer hmm. and what ends up happening is that at the end of last issue, the Marauders were ejected into the void of space, and that was our cliffhanger. And in this issue, we find out how the Marauders are able to survive. It's a pretty fun procedural, and we get a comment at the end of this once the Marauders take back their ill-gotten ship, apparently. Um, 
that uh, that Bishop is uh, commending all of the tactics used by the Marauders, and if they ever establish a war college on Krakoa, that this is going to be a lesson for that war college. Right. And ultimately, this Rixio character gets dropped off on Arako, who where we know we're going to see him again because it's not like he was dumped into the into the vastness of space. He was dumped on Mars, aka Arako. Where we are, where we are bound to see this character once again, right? Two things. Uh, I love the cover because it was, it was a callback to I believe the I can't remember if it was the first, it might have been the first issue of uh, Marauders where Kate Bishop, um, Kate Kate Pratt, Pratt. Yeah, yeah, I don't know Kate Bishop it was wrong Kate. Well, Kate, Kate Bishop Pratt. is another. I know, character, I know, right. I know, I know, but I was I don't know why I was conflating the two. Regardless, uh, Kate Pride. I was about to say, we're on the way, we're, we're, we're eagerly anticipating Hawkeye, that's why. Kind of. Um, we'll, we'll have news on that later. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have Emma Frost in the place of uh, the Kate Pride of that same issue in the same stance, so even though it doesn't come to that because Kate pretty much <laughs> takes the reins after, uh, after a certain point in this book uh, with some help for, from Emma. But also, the um, I know... Agent 70 says Mr. T and like, and I get why he's saying that because of the haircut, but I'm like, nah, this is more of a, a Lando, uh, hand solo type specific. but also kind of made me think of, um, Hondo Anaka, not only because of the fact that he's like a space pirate type situation, but also the spaceship, which like agent 70 said, is kind of a, a regular UFO thing, but also it's kind of funny in the Star Wars universe that they actually have those ships under, um, those type of ships under, uh, Hondo's command. Yeah. That, that has always been. That's funny. a good point. Yeah. Now I'm going to read this guy's dialogue in Hondo Onaka's accent. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, that's that. We can move on. All right. Next up, I think in terms of what we have in common, what's left is Robin number seven. Yes. All right. It's written by Joshua Williamson with art by Gleb Melnikov and Max Dunbar. Uh, colors are by Luis Guerrero and letters are by ALW's Troy Pateri. So we are down to, and I, I think I've missed an issue or two uh, in the reading of this arc because we're now up to issue number seven. But we're now up to the final four of this uh, death tournament. And Robin and Respawn open this issue with a non sanctioned bout. And um, we get some revelations revealed to us about the origins of this island, the origins of this tournament, and the origins of the character who is uh, leading this tournament and uh, a distinct relation to Damien himself. You know, with that, you know, we find all that out in the first half of the book, whereas in the second half, of the book, we find that, um, as we said earlier, we're down to four competitors, and by the end of this issue, we find ourselves down to two. Wait, was this a, non- a non-section fight? Because we know the tournament was actually going on, and it was pretty much like, hey, pick your partners. And they, I don't recall there being any kind of specific order to who's fighting. Well, that could be that could be where I missed an issue. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that they weren't in the arena. And I wasn't sure if that was sanctioned or not. Mm, oh, right. I got you. For, yeah, I I have been reading, but yeah, because this has been coming out month to month, like there's been a, a lot going on between that. So 
No, as far mm-hmm. as I know, I think it started off and they just kind of moved away from. Uh, I can't remember, but yeah, I know I definitely last issue is when the fight started, but I can't remember where it started. So, um, but as far as I know, it, it was still uh, in the realms of the in terms of the, uh, the, 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 the we also get to see uh, in uh, a glimpse of who is underneath that mask and I think we are led to believe to know who that is and the possible relation to another participant in the tournament uh, they are heavily hinting at the, uh, in the pages of this issue gotcha so uh, I think that's it Okay, so uh, in that case, I will move on to the books we do not have in common. First up is Batman The Long Halloween Special Number 1. It's written by Jeff Loeb uh, and story and art by Tim Sale. Colors are by Brennan Wagner and letters are by Richard Starking. So uh, for anyone who is familiar with Batman The Long Halloween, uh, that... um, that miniseries that turned into um, a a very, uh, a very, a very good, you know, it's a very, um, let's just say it's a longstanding best-selling trade paperback. The long Halloween. Would you say it was not necessarily a lesser known uh, uh, Batman event book, but one that's kind of, in the pantheon of his other ones, kind of there is in the list. It's definitely in the list of the is like oh, up there with like Kennedy joke and a couple of the others does, but it's kind of on the bottom of that list. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. Yeah. It's a little lower on the list. I mean, killing joke is, you know, and dark Knight. Right. Those are the ones that everyone knows. So right. yeah, Gosh. I would say that this is one of the, 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 the lower tier mm-hmm. of that group of stories. And, uh, but bottom line is for anyone who, uh, who read, uh, uh, that particular story, The Long Halloween, this issue is basically an epilogue of sorts. It's a follow-up. And not getting too deep into it because Roddy Cat may or may not read this uh, at his leisure. But um, it's an interesting look back into the world of uh, Long Halloween. It's definitely a year two or year three type of Batman story. Because we're still going into the origins of some of the uh batman rogues gallery so that is batman the long halloween special number one next up is Philadelphia number 18 <clears throat> it's written by rodney barnes with art by jason sean alexander uh with some pencils by christopher mitten colors are by louise nicked and letters are by marshall dylan so we have gotten to the point where uh, the Egyptian god has basically said, peace out. I can't help you now, but help is on the way, apparently. Um, the mixed bag of human and undead and vampire uh, defenders of Philadelphia are about to make their last stand, including uh, the converted John Adams, uh, converted to the side of the light, uh, as it were, against uh, 
his wife Abigail and her forces of vampire darkness as they run roughshod across Philadelphia. It turns out in this issue, the Elysium Fields backup story finally catches up to the events of the main story. So this is the last issue of this arc of Philadelphia. So they've been putting it out in six issue arcs. So this is the end of the third arc. The next issue of Philadelphia number 19 won't be coming out until I believe February of 2022. So you have some time to catch up, but just as a mild spoiler, we're throwing in another supernatural element into the story. And if you have been reading the Elysium fields, Backup story, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's nothing new if you're a fan of uh, this uh, horror stuff or even of Twilight. That's a big spoiler. I don't know Twilight at all, but I understand that these two types of supernatural characters are the main elements of Twilight. Um, Next up is Daredevil number 35. It's written by Chip Zdarsky with art by Stefano Landini. And Francesco Mobili, colors by Marcio Meniz, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This issue of Daredevil finds Electra in her Daredevil um, role, trying to uh, put an end to the clone multiple bullseyes that are running rampant in New York City and especially Hell's Kitchen. We find that Bullseye himself subtracts from his number and we find that the main bullseye is in fact amongst the group of bullseyes running around new york city and it takes both electra and surprise surprise spoiler alert a recently escaped matthew murdoch to put down bullseye and we're left at the end of this issue with a cliffhanger as to what is going to happen to kingpin how the events of this issue may be playing into that devil's reign that is the upcoming crossover event that is going to be led by the kingpin as well as uh we get in the next issue uh image teaser image the possible return of matt murdoch to the costume so we may in fact be having two daredevils for the price of one next up and i think this is last for me is wolverine number 17 is written by benjamin percy with pencils by lan medina um sorry inks by cam smith colors by hava tartaglia and or java tartaglia and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So this issue of Wolverine finds the guest the guest star that uh, came in earlier in this uh, Wolverine uh, volume, and that being Maverick, David North, uh, Wolverine's old uh, Weapon X team x teammate and we have uh some of the background characters that have been kind of in and out of wolverine playing a role here uh, especially as it as it as in, uh, with regards to the cia's activities uh in spying on krakoa meanwhile wolverine domino and maverick 
try to take out some uh, attackers who are targeting Krakoa with some uh, some uh, defoliants, some chemical defoliants, as it were. And ultimately, they are successful. It seems that Maverick may have his own agenda in this. So we will see where this goes. And that is it for me. Wait, <clears throat> is that chemical defoliant have anything to do with what was going on in like X-Force? With the with the, the plants that were that they were trying to deal the uh, deal with from Krakoa or no? I don't think so, okay. but you could be right. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know because I haven't been reading Wolverine. So and we know you know the Xbox kind of tie in a weird way and in all kind of ways. So uh, let's see for myself, Wonder Girl number four with the creative team of. <clears throat> Writer Joel Jones, art by Joel Jones and uh, Adriana Mello, uh, colors by Jordi Belair, excuse me, letters by Pat Brousseau. Um, if you get so the art in this in this book for the last four issues has been, I think, outstanding. Um, you know, with with a couple of the names that has been, was mentioned in the creative team, not surprising by that. Uh, so it's worth a pick. It's worth an, um, a pickup for a partial of that. But if you are curious about the the Wonder Girl character who ends up being Wonder Woman in Future State, which has already happened, uh, this is set prior to that. Obviously, um, um, uh, and this is pretty much, you know, I guess, I guess an origin story in a way. Uh, this is her coming to her inner to her powers. But in this case, uh, real quickly, that uh, last issue, she uh, gets invited to Mount Olympus to become uh, Hera's champion. So she undergoes some training in this issue, not unlike you would see probably in a Dragon Ball Z, but not necessarily in the same way. Um, and it kind of doesn't go well at first because Yara's a little headstrong and so she so she kind of you know the her and the training kind of butts heads not necessarily with the people that's training her but with the 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 training itself because of because of um her fiery nature let's say but you know she that ends up turning around in the midst of this book um uh, and she gets um uh, she finds out a little after after things start turning around for her, she gets a little family history uh, from someone from her past, which I believe we saw. I can't remember when we. I know we. I've saw. I've seen this character before. Uh, Might have been in the beginning of the uh, in the first um, issue or two of this uh, book, or probably in Future State. I can't remember. But regardless, she gets a little family history, but then she ends up making a, a choice. Um. um at the end of this book to which we see her possibly starting to make at the end of this. And we also see her in the Wonder Woman slash Wonder Girl, you know, uh, costume for the first time uh, in, in, uh, at the, near the end of this. So we'll see what happens. I think we pretty much know what's going to end up happening because of Future State and possibly because of what's uh, stuff that's been out before, but we'll see. Uh... Next up, though, is Deathstroke, Inc., number two. Um, creative team is Joshua Williamson on the writing, 
art uh, how, by Howard Porter, colors by Hi-Fi, and letters by Steve Wands. Which I think that's right. I need to go back and check on that, but I'm, we'll, we'll go for that. Um, Deathstroke, Black Canary, and apparently Toy Man 2.0, as he's calling himself, which kind of looks like Takeshi from, um, from um, Marauders, which, oh, right. I think we forgot about that part. Um, no, wait, that was Sword. Sorry, from Sword. But we'll get. I get to that in a second because I don't think um, Agent Seven has read that this week. Regardless, um, they're on a space mission for trust, and apparently, uh, Deathstroke and Black Canary has a has a um, stowaway in Toy Toy Man Two Point in a uh, in the Bat's armor suit, and. Super, uh, Cyborg Superman is involved because he's trying to take over a satellite that apparently belongs to Trust and we get to find out that there's a little bit more to Trust than not surprising that we knew about in the beginning of this uh, that they might have some some dealings of their own that uh, may have them at odds with our heroes or anti-heroes in this, in, in this case and at the end of this apparently uh, Deathstroke and um Deathstroke and Black Canary get sent after a Wonder Woman villain who apparently has an upgrade on her status that may or may not have come from somewhere. I'm not uh, I'm not sure if this has come up somewhere else. It probably has. I don't know. But regardless, that's a thing. Uh, next up, Aquaman and Green Arrow Deep Target number one. Uh, creative team... Brandon Thomas, art by Ronan Cliche, I guess it's Cliquette or Cliche, I'm not sure, um, but it's it's spelled kind of like Cliche with a T on the end. Uh, So I apologize for messing up your name if I did. Uh, Colors by Ulysses Areola, uh, letters by Josh Reed. So I I skimmed through this book at first, and I was like, well, I wasn't sure what this was about, even though I didn't remember seeing an article on it. But apparently... Um, and I'm just going to go on my notes on this one. So it seems that Aquaman and Green Arrow have done a Freaky Friday, but neither one knows how it happens, which doesn't stop Arthur from going after Oliver about it. Um, elsewhere in the past leading up to, I guess, leading up to this, some general named Anderton does the fly, uh, but with a dinosaur and a time machine. And uh, surely these are connected some kind of way. So... Uh, at the end of this, uh, Aquaman and Green Arrow are teaming up to find out what has happened to them and why, uh, why there was a switch in there. And yes, there looks like there's some time shenanigans going on with this that may have led to this, uh, thing. So, yeah, I think I'm, a, I'm at very least on, I don't, I can't remember how many, well, I think it does say how many issues, uh, there are in this uh, thing. So it's probably like five or six, but regardless, it was kind of curious to me. So I was like, I figured I'd check it out and see what it's about. So far it's been a pretty good read. Uh, time after time, number six, um, creative team of Declan Shelby and Roy McInville on writing art by Declan Shelby, uh, Chris O'Halloran on colors and letters by Hassan Atsmane Alau. I'm hoping that's how that's pronounced. This seems to be a side story because it doesn't uh, definitely doesn't seem to take place uh, in what's going on in the main story. I suspect some of this might end up coming back 
at a later date, but who knows? But basically, it's um, it's a side story that's kind of set in 1990s with a character that I'm not entirely sure that we've seen in the pages before. Um, so there's some syndicate folks looking for this one of their workers named uh, Maloney, who basically tried to do the same thing that um, um, Takeshi, or I can't, I think that's his name, Takeshi, the end. Uh, uh, in the main, the main story is to, to, to try to do in that uh, of getting away from the syndicate. Uh, but apparently, things don't go uh, don't go well for this character and a couple other people in this uh, particular issue. Um, like I said, whether some of this is going to come back in the main story, I'm not entirely sure. But it was it was clearly brought up for a reason. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, next up, Spider-Woman number 16. This is a potential click of the week for me. Uh, let's see. It was written by Carla Pacheco, uh, art by Perry Perez, color artist Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, this seems, and this is, uh, appears to be an end of this arc, I believe. Or at least that's how it seems at the um, at the end of this. So, going into this, uh, Jess and her niece Rebecca um, was were excuse me. Um, Jess and Rebecca was basically uh, set up to get, get to get taken out by um, Jess's brother's girlfriend, uh, who is a new villain named. Rose, uh, I can't remember her last name, but who also had has um, Spider Woman's powers, uh, thanks to uh, Jess's brother. Uh, so basically, this is a big knockdown, dragout fight between all of them because Rebecca uh, and Jess decide to sneak back into Mon- Marshawn Industries to, to cause a little ruckus, and that causes the fight that goes down, and um, the fight pretty much gets. Uh, ends up in a way and uh you know not after some some um some bones were broken and whatnot but nevertheless um um yeah we we seem to get the end of this uh story or at least seemingly end of the story for so now i don't know if that's actually the case but um um, it it was it's a good read if you've been keeping up with uh, what's going on in that. I know Agent Seven is not really um, um, was not really interested in the in the the story about this, but it's actually kind of ends up in a decent way. Uh, let's see, Sword Number Nine is my next book. You can spoil it a little bit, obviously, you know, within the bounds that we usually keep, because I just finished skimming through it. What? Sword number oh, nine. Okay. So, uh, creative team of uh, Al Ewing on the writing, uh, art Jacobo uh, Camagni, uh, color artist uh, Fernando Cifuentes from Porto Bunker Studios, and letters by VCs Ariana Meyer. So, I don't know if. Oh, so, you just skimmed it. Did you notice uh, Garrick's makeover? You mean to make him younger and more anime? Right. I mean, that's an artist's choice. See, I thought about that because the rest of the issue, 
kind of seemed like it going that way, but I was like, that's so that's still kind of weird that they that, yeah. that was a choice that they made, you know. But and but it does, like you said, it does kind of fall in line with the art choices that were made in 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 but in in this issue. But it's still it's kind of weird. So, um, right. but at the beginning of this, Garrick and uh, uh, James Hudson uh, from from Alpha Alpha Flight decided to talking because Garrick's the head of Alpha Flight now, and apparently Hudson James Hudson is a part of Orcus now. Um, and they are talking about Wolverine and blah 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 blah. But then cuts to. Uh, on Araco, where there's an envoy of uh, uh, Shi'ar hierarchy, including the the newly the new queen and Death Bird and the Super Guardians. Uh, but apparently, there was um, an assassination attempt by what seems to be by Garrick and his uh, his the people that he's dealing with in space, which. If you know anything about Garrick, he doesn't really care. The the only other thing he's never really cared about outside of uh, superpowered individuals are aliens. But apparently he has found himself, not unlike Orcus, Orcus um, has been doing, like, don't really like mutants, but will align themselves when the when they need to be um, in, within reason. Uh, Garrick has aligned himself with some alien folks, and apparently there's a new lethal legion that ends up going after the this, this envoy, which apparently they were specifically um, matched up against because that fight goes away. You uh, it's almost kind of a one sided fight, basically. Uh, uh, and some uh, super gardeners may not be um, may not be around next year because of this. No, fight. no. Um, well, if if the Hickman Super Guardian, if Hickman's outline of the Super Guardian program is still in place, they have replacements in line. Right. But just, yeah, exactly. But not necessarily these people. So, yeah, you're right, right. about that. Exactly. That's how I remember it, that right. there are like a crew of replacements for each type of uh, Shi'ar Super Guardian. Right. So, and I believe they set up the fact that um, Cannonball might be a possible because they mentioned something in here about him being kind of like a sub guardian because of his uh, partially because of his um, relation to one of them. And, right, you know, to Smasher. Right. So, but so. yeah, I, I I skimmed this and I needed to go back and reread that part because I skimmed that too quickly mm-hmm. about uh, Jimmy Hudson joining up with Orcus, and I'm like, really, dude? Right. I was like, why exactly? And based on, cause even he was like, well, I know I've known, you know, Wolverines for this amount of da, 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 da. So it was like, so why did you even join up with Orcus in the first place? Then if that was so important to you, like, but you know, I guess, yeah, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's a characterization that, you know, that may or may not turn around when it comes to the way Al Ewing is telling the story. Right. So, yeah, so we'll we'll see if that comes up into anything uh, at some point later on. But regardless, like I said, the, the crux of this issue was like, um, you know, the fight between the Super Guardians and the Lethal Legion until one uh, Aurora, Aurora Monroe, a.k.a. Storm, happens to come in and um, take charge of the battle. In, in a way, or at least lends a, a very big hand because, like I said, it was pretty much going a one way fight. Um, but at the end, right, of- very much. I was about to say, hold that note, hold that thought. 
it very much is like it very much resembles the beyond corporation setup fight between uh spidey and ben riley and the ufos because oh. in that case the ufos knew exactly what to throw at spidey that wouldn't hurt ben riley in this case the this new lethal legion knows exactly what to throw at all these super guardians but not necessarily what to throw at storm correct because it's all a setup right so and even including a couple of the um a, a couple of the mutants that were the Krakoans that were also in attendance they kind of dealt with at least uh, one or two of them so yeah it was definitely it was definitely set up. Uh, but at the end of this issue, just in, uh, uh, just to, to end this out, we find out that there's a traitor within the midst of uh, S.W.O.R.D. There's two. Wait, two? Right. Well, one is, of course, Henry Peter Gyrick. Well, no, he's not with S.W.O.R.D. He's with, um, he's with uh, Alpha Flight. He's not- oh, I see. I see. Uh, uh, let me not get that twisted because I, I forget how the uh, the the, um, the space teams have been uh, divided up. Mm-hmm. I was under the impression that Alpha Flight had been absorbed, but then uh, Omega Flight is its own thing. Correct. Well, oh, Gamma uh, Flight, Gamma, Gamma Flight, Flight is its own thing. Correct. And they were under Garrick until they was like, "No, nah, we're not doing this anymore." And right. yeah, what happened with the, in the pages of um, and in fact, I think at the end of that that's when Garrick ended up becoming the head of uh, Alpha Flight because it was mentioned in, in the pages of Incredible Hulk, which Al Ewan's also wrote. So, right. um, but so yeah, so this all kind of falls in line because it's all Al Ewan's writing. Um, but as far as I know, yeah, it's only it's only one that I know of, unless there is somebody else back there. But yeah, we definitely know of one that's in the midst of Sword, which has nothing to do with Alpha Flight. Um. So we'll see what happens with that next issue. That being said, because I guess it was the, the person you'd least expect in, in that uh, respect, or maybe it's not. I don't know. Or maybe there's something else going on. Who's to say? Last but not least, though, um, Transformers Beast Wars number nine. Uh, creative team of writer Eric Burnham, uh, art by Josh Burkham, and letters by Jake M. Wood. Uh, so at the, uh, after the events of last issue and Black Arachnid doing what she did with some of the pods in space, uh, she's, was back at the Predacon base, uh, and everybody else is aware of it. So Megatron kind of takes that and runs with it with his plans to kind of get rid of the Predacons and go back to Spy- uh, Cybertron. Uh, so they kind of start going along with that, that plan. Uh, one of the Predacons, Scold, who's basically kind of um, not necessarily put upon, but she she's uh, the butt of a lot of the jokes, despite being some of uh, one of, I guess, one of the strongest ones there. She she decides to kind of go away from the group for a minute and finds one of the pods, uh, and, which opens up and ends up uh, befriending, kind of sort of befriending one the the new. Uh, Cybertronians that have has landed to Earth, but because of some space alien, the space aliens that are kind of behind the scenes trying to um, test or whatever can kind of oversee um, what's going on on Earth. If you know anything about uh, what happens in the, the Beast Wars proper in the uh, in the TV program, it kind of falls in line with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they kind of 
do it. Uh, it's definitely being done in a different way. This is, I don't know, like I said, this is kind of a retelling, a reboot of, of Beast Wars, so it doesn't go the exact same way of the, the TV show. Um, so that's some, something to be noted if, um, if you are reading this book. But it's still a pretty interesting read. Uh, but yeah, so we, we found out a little bit back story about this gold character and um like I said, she she makes a choice uh because of what happens to her and um this other new Cybertronian that she kinda of, sort of be befriends be um at the end of this issue. But still also has no I guess keeps her allegiance to where it is for some odd reason that she gives, but it slightly doesn't make any sense, but does, I guess, in, in her reasoning. Uh, and that being it for me. So, clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. Uh, we do not have any from our other co-hosts. So... I guess it's all on us. Again. As usual. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, we're surprised by clicks of the <laughs> week from our other co-hosts. So it happens. So let's not be, you know, we, we try not to be too surprised when it happens. But still. Uh, I'm going to go with my initial instinct and go with Inferno number two. Despite my misgivings about... Uh, you know, my initial misgivings about how uh, Mystique was able to pull off her plan. But, you know, upon literally upon further review, as we were talking about the issue, I figured out why it made more sense. Mm-hmm. So Inferno number two for me. Yeah, like the not a bad pick, you know, not a bad pick at all. Hopefully it kind of keeps up the, the interest uh, as the as the miniseries goes on. Uh, for myself, um, now I think about the couple of books that I wish I had read uh, going into this, but it's fine. Um, like what? Well, there was a couple of other Transformers books that came out. Uh, there was Transformers proper that came out, and then there was a Trans- Transformers Shattered Glass came out. Um, there was that Darkhold book, uh, Darkhold Blade book, but I, right. I kind of skimmed right. through that, but it was like, uh, I can come back to that. <laughs> Because it was it was blade centered and obviously those are, like I said last week um, those are kind of stories in the world and doesn't seem to have anything to do with that alpha issue, you know. So I don't know how important that Darkhold miniseries is at this point because it doesn't seem to be any um, underlying throughput through lines in it. So anyway. Um, that Aquaman Green Arrow was actually more ended up reading more interesting to me. Um, uh, as I was going through it, which I didn't think was going to happen, but I was like, "Huh, I'm, I'm actually kind of curious as to what's gonna what's gonna happen here." Um, hmm. Marauders is what it was because you know, yeah, yeah, Marauders is pretty good. Um, well, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with this. Like I said, there was some there was some stuff that kind of stood out to me, but not not un- 
surprising from what I've read in here. So it's kind of <laughs> very funny, Dara. Very funny. Um. Hmm. You know what? Uh, Aquaman, Green Arrow, Deep Target, number one. I'm actually going to go with that. Surprising, surprising. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. It was like, like I said, the the premise is like, hmm. That's. I'm I'm curious to see where this goes. Also, that Wonder Girl, like I said, I think I said that Wonder Girl issue was also pretty good from from especially with the art. Um, so that is definitely worth a check out. But yes, that is my pick. And with that, yeah, interesting. I was about to say there were some interesting like number one issues that I yes. thought about taking a peek at mm-hmm. that came out this week, like that Task Force Z book, yeah, with the zombies and Red Hood, yeah. I looked at the first few pages like ah, I, I, you know, I don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah, and then there was that, speaking of, there was also that DC and Vampires book that came out this week. Oh, was that out this week too? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you know makes it around Halloween time, and and I feel like that right. that, that zombie one is like, well, didn't they kind of already do this with um, they kind of already did that with a with a fairly recent um uh, uh, miniseries. And I think that was also by Tom Taylor, now that I think about it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, but, it, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, I'm, I'm, they, this was set the way it was intended to be set. So, right. that being said, though, we are going to go into the news section, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron, always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off like we do every week about this time with the cinematic news. Uh, first up, a this is a rumor, report, whatever you want to call it. It's coming from a rumor site, so I almost did not pull this, but whatever. Uh, a Birds of Prey sequel is reportedly in development without Margot Robbie's um, Harley Quinn. Not surprising that this would happen if it does happen. Uh, and this is coming from that hashtag show, which I'm sure some people know about. And I know, you know, um, sure. Uh, are reporting that Warner Brothers is developing a Brothers of Prey sequel. They say that the film has been officially greenlit, but Margot Robbie's um, uh, Harley Quinn does not be a part of it. Uh, but everyone else that was associated with that um, Harley Quinn-led Birds of Prey movie will be, such as uh, Johnny Smollett, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and Rosie Perez. Uh, ours may return. Uh, no word on, I guess, the the young lady that plays Cassandra Kane. Um, but it, apparently, it seems here, according to this, it says that Batgirl will possibly also appear in the film, which would make some sense given Birds of Prey canon. Uh, if they're following any part of that <laughs> at this point, 
So it says there's no script yet, but there's an outline for the film and the calculator may possibly be the villain. So we'll see if that actually ends up uh, happening. Next up. Uh, as reported by comicbook.com, but not written by our very own Tim Dog 98 Barbara Gordon gets a crazy dark origin story, but becomes her own hero when Leslie Grace dons the iconic cape and cowl of Batgirl. Uh, the costume crime fighting protege of Batman and the daughter of uh, GCPD commissioner James Gordon in this, it's going to be again, be uh, JK Simmons from the justice league movies. Uh, Barbara Gordon has much to prove when she makes her million-dollar debut in the HBO Max movie from writer Christina Hodson, uh, speaking to Elle magazine or Elle website. I don't know if Elle magazine's still there. The In the Heights star previewed the HBO Max original movie expected to premiere in 2022. Okay. Uh, speaking of Batgirl, Brendan Fraser is uh, is expected to play the villain in uh, the the Batgirl movie. Um, it says not confirmed, but sources believe that Fraser would play the super, the, the super villain Firefly in the pick. Uh, Jacob Scipio also recently joined the cast, which we talked I mean, uh, the cast, which we talked about last week, uh, with Grace on board to play. Bob Gordon, as we know, and uh, the people that are helming the film. So, yeah, I guess Brenda Fraser's having a little moment now. I mean, he's already in Doom Patrol, but, you know, getting getting some more big screen uh, love lately in a couple of areas. But also, like, the the picture of him is is not necessarily uh, (laughs) flattering, because it looks like he just stepped off the, uh, the set of The Office. Yeah. So, but you know what? People loved him. Some uh, Brandon Brenton Fraser. So, respect it. Next up, DC Fandom apparently tripled its viewership over 2020's event. So, uh, the 2021 DC Fandom event saw three times, as I said, as many viewers, shattering the previous record with 66 million views. Uh, This was, uh, as we reported last week, a virtual convention for all things DC. And the event offered new looks at highly anticipated properties such as the Batman, Black Adam, Batman, Cape Crusader, and Gotham Knights. So it's not a big surprise that they had more uh, viewers this time around, even three times as as many as last year, because they had something that people were anticipating, which was the trailer for the Batman movie. Basically. Um, and also they benefit from the fact that uh, we're coming off of the latter part of the pandemic. So many pro- projects have had a chance to be in, produ- in production as the result of, um, you know, conditions being a little bit better than uh, what we saw at the la- you know, leading up to the last fandom. Mm-hmm. I was I was going to say that I don't know if Batman Cape Crusader was high, highly anticipated considering we didn't know that much about it going into DC Pandome, but now that I think about it, we actually did because I believe it was announced like last May, but you know, whatever. Hey, it was it was pretty decent. Like we, if you're interested in the news that came out of it and you didn't know it, hey, we talked about all of it last uh, last uh, episode, so go check that out in the archives. <laughs> Next up, check it out on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's Val Zod series lands Transformer Seven writer. 
I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, Michael, so yeah. Uh, this is the other Michael B. Jordan DC work that we've uh, that we knew he was trying to get off the ground. Uh, the, the the one that people had much uh, to say about stupidly. Um, anyway, Deadline reports that the HBO Max series uh, starring Jordan, first announced ju- in July, will be called Val Zod, confirming its focus on the Kryptonian hero. Uh, so. Not Superman, not Black Superman. Well, granted, he was Black Superman, but still, regardless, like people are making real stupid remarks on that who clearly did not do not know about this character. Um, anyway, uh, let's see. It says Darnell Medier and Josh Peters will write the limited series. Uh, the pair recently penned the script for Transformers: Rise of the Beasts, which wrapped production this week. So that's the upcoming new, I guess, Beast Wars thing. I don't know. Um, after said after Bumblebee, which I still haven't even seen. Eh. Uh, but the rest of the article kind of goes into the history of Valzad as they tend to do. And we have no release date on when this HBO Max uh, series is going to happen, but probably sometime next year. Who knows? Next up. Next up, fans who were floored. Talk about hyperbole. Floored. By the season five finale of Riverdale, won't need to wait around long for answers as Riverdale season six is set to debut Tuesday, November 16th. The trailer dropped for the season uh, just the other day, and boy, is it a doozy hyperbole. Uh, unlike the slow start of season five, which had to quickly finish up the plot lines of the COVID-19 pandemic shortened season four, Riverdale season six is taking off like a bat out of hell. Shout out to Meatloaf with a five-week event guest starring none other than Sabrina, the teenage witch, played by Kiernan Shipka. Apparently, it seemed odd to this writer that the chilling adventures of Sabrina and Riverdale existed in the same universe in nearby towns. But while Riverdale has long dealt with pseudo-witchcraft, Sabrina deals in actual hardcore witchcraft. Not only is Sabrina guest starring during this event, but by Cheryl... Uh, rea- Cheryl's reaction, they know each other. Okay. I hope people uh, people who are fans of Riverdale and uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch enjoyed my dramatic reading of that article with editorializing. <laughs> yes, definitely editorializing because obviously uh, Agent 70 are, or, and, uh, and I are not the target, target demographic here <laughs> for, for these not at series. all. So, I'm sure the there are some folks who were possibly floored by the the <laughs> whatever had happened in that thing. I actually kind of curi- was curious about the uh, Riverdale series. I think I did actually watch the first episode, and I was like, maybe I'll come back to this at some point, but n- never have, because it's definitely not the Archie book, the 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 Archie rendition that I was expecting. It's more nine hundred two one zero than it possibly needed to be, which means it's a CW show. Yeah, exactly. And all fully CW show at that. <laughs> so anyway, um, Smallville, the complete series is not on Blu-ray. So congratulations, folks. For for the five or ten of y'all who even remember, older, older enough to remember that show, um, it's Superman year one or year zero, technically. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Smallville, the complete series, 20th anniversary edition, a collection of all 10 seasons of the WBCW series. Because, lest we forget, it started off as, um, yeah, <laughs> C- the CW change came 
partially somewhere in between that show being on the air, which is kind of funny to say at this point. Uh, the box set contains all 218 episodes of the show that paved the way for the current CW slate of dramatic superhero series. That may have some truth to it, but you know, there's some pushback on that one. Um, see, yeah, debuted on August 16th, 2001. Um, Tom Welling was Clark Kent, Michael Rosenbaum, it was Lex Luthor, uh, Christian Coop, Lana Lane, da 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 da. Let's see what else is in here. It's out now, so it doesn't matter. I don't know if it's on, I think this is it on HBO Max. It doesn't necessarily say here. I thought it was. I thought so too. But I could I'm not, be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it might be uh, the internet's. Not, yeah, no, right. But regardless, it's out there if you were uh, were or are a fan of the show and uh, interested in in picking this up. Uh, I don't even see a price on here, but you know, that's probably a good hundred easy. Yeah, I was about to say that's a lot of television on on discs, hmm. so that's going to be a little on the pricey side. Were you a fan of of Smallville? I watched, I feel like I know I watched the first season. I don't think I even got through the first season, actually. I know I watched, not take that back, I did watch the first season, maybe two. And I was like, oh, it's all right. You know, it was the, it's basically CW um, Superman when before CW type shows were that. Like, this is, this is definitely one of those early CW-esque type shows. Mm-hmm. And this was with you know nine oh two one oh being around, I think at still at the time. Was it still around at the time? Not I think, or uh, it might have been right after the end of nine oh two one oh. I can't recall. Right, because two thousand one, it's all a blur, or whatever. Um, but it was kind of that kind of that, and I was like, yeah, there's something here, but not really, because it was, and even the budget for it was kind of showing, especially in that, mm-hmm. first, that first season or so. Yeah, Smallville is not on HBO Max. Okay. So there you go. Maybe it'll be on the... Strategically so, right? Right. So I'm sure it'll so, probably come to there. But that being said, like, like I said, I watched some of it and I don't... And I think I checked on it like every now and then and I don't recall seeing the end of it because I know that's when he... That 10th season was... At the very end of it when he, when he finally ended up in the suit. Mm-hmm. And they had already kind of set up a Justice League of, of sorts. Um, right. So, yeah, I don't know. What about you? I had... I had I had watched it here and there very much like yourself, Radicat, mm-hmm. where I knew what was going on. And honestly, I was just watching it to check out Kristen Crook. Um, this is well before uh, the uh, the revelations in that in that uh, documentary and in the news about that crazy cult that she and that other uh, actress got into. Oh, right. The Chloe. Yes. Uh, right. Chloe, so. So yeah, that was really my only impetus in in, in turning on this show ever. Right, and I guess before Eurotrip also. <laughs> I don't even recall that, but yeah, oh, I mean, Eurotrip. I think she was in that, right? She was in that. Uh-huh. Right. So, but bottom line is that was my only reason to turn on that show. Sure. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> hey, I think that was a lot. Of people's uh, 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 reason to turn on that show. Yeah, I guess so. I, I suppose so. Um, yeah. She's Hoppa. She's half Asian. Wait a minute. You mean and or? No, half Asian, 
half Asian Pacific American. Right. No, but you said but she's half Asian. I was I was too. I, no, no, no. I, I didn't say but. I said and she's Asian and she's ha- half Asian. Okay. Well, you you did say but, but it doesn't matter. Guess, oh, but, did I say but? You did. Did I say but? But I don't. I, know, I don't I know what you meant. But that could have been my. Uh, but I know what you my meant. My spittle or something. <laughs> but I know what you meant. Yes. No. So you know. <laughs> I meant and. I meant and. Yes. Damn I, you, recording. <laughs> I don't know why I said but. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna explore this now. Why would I say but? Yeah, that's what that, exactly. That's what threw me. I was like, why would you say but? You know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if it was because I said but because well that was the only reason why I would I would turn it on. You know, as opposed to being a fan of Superman. That's probably what it was. Yeah, maybe. You know, not not not. You know, I wasn't interested at all in a. You know, current retelling of uh, Clark Kent. Yeah, you know Clark's origin, especially in the format that it was in. Being that being uh, CW. Yeah, CW I think that's what it was. I wouldn't have watched it, but for the fact that uh, yeah, she was Asian, right. or at least half Asian. Right. So, irregardless, um, yes, I did say that, and I said that intentionally, but. Um, <laughs> I know people were like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Uh, anyway, let us move. See, the oh. thing is, you say that more often than you'd probably care to admit. No, I, yeah, that's probably, possibly <laughs> true. And but I never, I've, I never, I never harp on it, you know? And I'm just like, oh, but I've been, I've, been saying that, I've been saying it more intentionally because I know it gets people. Um, oh, boy. So. In any in event. event. All right, exactly. moving on. What the, hell, what the hell are we up to now? Stargirl, Stargirl resurrects one hero at the cost of another. Here's a spoiler alert for you. So uh, apparently after the heartbreak of last week's Stargirl, the latest episode finds a way to bring back one hero, but at a cost. Um, so this is spoilers for episode 11 of season two, Summer School Chapter 11. Uh, so apparently, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It was assumed Dr. Midnight was killed by the Shade. However, as the season has progressed, both of these things proved no longer to be true with the recent revelation that the two were actually friends and that they are so close that the Shade's willing to give his life for Dr. Midnight. Okay. Okay. I've not watched not one inch of this show. <laughs> you got me. Yeah. Like I was again out of curiosity, you know, knowing very little about the character, but and I guess you know Kim Basinger's daughter's in it. That's not that that's a big, totally big draw. But um, I was just kind of curious as how they would have how they handled it, you know, like that knowing what little I know about the character. Um, but I, whatever. Next up, <laughs> Legends to Tomorrow. Uh, Constantine leaves Zari a cosmic gift, apparently. Uh, this is also spoilers for uh, season seven, episode one, uh, which has recently aired. So it uh, seems that the characters John Constantine and Zari Tazari Tarazi, excuse me, Zari Tarazi, um, were star-crossed lovers, according to this article from the very beginning of their relationship. Um, and I guess after the revelations, I know we knew that John Constantine left the show. Uh, that we talked about that in past episodes. I have not keeping up with any of this. Um, but, uh, well, yeah. So he left the show, something happened, and apparently left uh, behind this other character 
um, a gift and telling her that she'd know what it was for eventually. And that came up in uh, this issue, this episode. So if you're keeping up with Legends of Tomorrow, you probably have seen it by now. I have not. Next up. In some sad news, Joanna Cameron, known for her lead role on the 1970s DC television series The Secrets of Isis, has passed away. She was 70 years old. Her passing was confirmed on social media by her Isis co-star, Joanna Pang Atkins. Um, uh, Let's see. So we saw she's perhaps best known for her role as Andrea Thomas slash Isis on Isis. Later retitled The Secrets of Isis, which originally aired on CBS for 22 episodes across two seasons from September 6, 75 to October 23rd, 76. I was far too young to understand what was going on. Isis aired as a companion to CBS's Shazam, with the shows being collectively referred to as the Shazam Isis Hour. Shazam's lead character, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam, was licensed to DC Comics at the time. Blah, 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 yakety schmackety. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the ISIS character is probably going to be showing up in Black Adam. Yeah, so that's what I was curious about whether that was actually going to happen because uh, obviously the connotations of ISIS at this point, at this current time, you kind of wondered if that was going to happen, but it wouldn't make sense, you know. Well, well, I think if they do it in the movies, there would be a clear distinction from the well, acronym that. that we are all familiar with, and uh, I think yeah. that's why that's where the the benefit lays in that. Um, the differentiation can be clearly made. Right. I know. But also the character hasn't been seen probably since 52 that I know of. Um, Oh, since, Oh, since the DC comics 52, right. Or the new 52, new 52. Yeah. Or 52. Or no, no 52. Right. Yeah. I have no idea. So, right. So this, I, I, so when I found this out, like, Roddy Cat being slightly older than than Agent Seventy remembers a little bit more about this show, and of course the 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 uh, the, the Captain Marvel slash uh, Shazam show that it was paired with at the time. I remember having clear victor, uh, uh, visuals of uh, I mean, clear memories of seeing both of those as probably one of my earlier comic book inspired uh, TV shows back in the seventies. And I think I was like two or three at the time, so that's weird that that would be there. But I do remember it, nevertheless, because they played it for a few years. So you know, uh, yeah, and yeah, I mean, much like Batman '66, I'm sure that was played in syndication. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure I probably bypassed it. You know, I, I probably bypassed the Big Red Cheese and ISIS in syndication. So it was on, yeah. So it was on Saturday mornings, uh, and like kind of early Saturday mornings at that. But obviously, you know, we were all getting up very early anyway with our bowls of cereals and whatnot, and watching whatever was on. So, and I do remember this show and the the lack of quality therein. But I was like, oh, she was pretty, you know. And you know, outside of our, you know. Our Wonder Woman, Linda Carter, you know, and it was a, it was a show that was very much short lived, but you know the, the quality was what it was. But I do remember. What it. is this? Our Wonder Woman? You mean the Wonder Woman? Um, Shots fired at I mean, all the other hey, fans look. out there. Shots fired. <laughs> there are come at there, me, yo. Yes, there are some who would have, uh, who would leave, um, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot is their Wonder Woman, but you know, hey. 
<laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I know you know this, but I'm saying that for for those who know, you know, who may not, who may not, who may not understand my uh, my my uh, exactly my my point, the point that I'm trying to make. I get exactly. it. All right. So next up, you're up next. Uh, Carrie Fisher remembered on birthday by Mark Hamill, Billy Lord. Uh, so yes, apparently, um, uh, Carrie Fisher's birthday was in the past week and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher's daughter, Billy Lord, um, marked the solemn occasion uh, with tweets, um, uh, on, uh, social media. Um, I believe this is from Mark Hamill who says happy birthday to a very special someone who was never not fun and always highly tolerant of my juvenile onset uh, jinx, hijinks. Uh, even when she wasn't in the mood, wrote Hamill on his, uh, of his sci-fi space sister, according to this article, along with a picture of them goofing on set. And on Instagram, uh, Lord posted a picture of herself as a baby with her mother, along with a number of uh, emojis, emojis. So as folks may know, uh, uh, Carrie Fisher died on December 27th of uh, 2016, which weirdly seems longer than I thought it was. Well, how many times are we going to say this on our show? Our sense of time is completely screwed up thanks to the pandemic. Indeed. So what seems like yesterday was actually 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, but also 2016 for me was a weird... Right, so 2016 definitely feels like it was yesterday. Um, And it feels like this just happened, but we've already seen the after effects of this take uh, place, the after effects of this on the Star Wars uh, cinematic universe. Indeed. Indeed. Which, wait, does this, uh, this I don't remember when it says what day. Oh, October 21st. There we go. So, yeah. Move right along. Next up. Warner Brothers Japan and animation studio Bones confirm that Mob Psycho 100 will return for a third season with a new teaser trailer. Uh, the new trailer, which was posted to the series' official Twitter account, features clips of various characters from throughout the series calling out for Mob, who's shown briefly losing control of his powers. So this is an anime I am not familiar with, but I am familiar with the studio Bones. Um... And apparently, uh, Mob Psycho 100 is uh, the second manga to come from one, the Eisner Award-nominated creator of One Punch Man. Okay. Yes. And you can kind of tell in the in the um, in the art style in a, in, in a way. Yeah, I know a lot of people like Mob Psycho 100. I think I probably got through the first uh, episode of it and not really come back to it. Not to say that it was a bad episode, but it was just like, yeah, I'll come back to this type of situation but i know a lot of people like it so i mean should i add it to my uh my list of uh animes to catch up on i knew you were going to ask me that and i still don't have an answer for you um okay i would say because of because of the popularity you might want to but i i can't say because i haven't really watched enough of it to say one way or the other honestly whether you'd like it or not got it um i did like one wait you have you seen one punch man Yes, I am up to date on One Punch Man. So it's quite different from that, but there, I think there's still obviously some DNA in that. So in that respect, you might like it. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, the lazy eye gives it away. Mm-hmm. The lazy set of eyes gives it away that this is the same uh, creator. Right. So it looks like Funimation has season one and season two and an OVA as well. Mm-hmm. So, so oh, we'll see. We'll see if I add it to the list. Yep. Uh, Bones produced Netflix anime Super Crooks drops electrifying, uh, electrifying uh, full trailer. Uh, let's see. Netflix Japan has posted a two-minute full trailer for the forthcoming anime adaptation of Mark Miller, Mark Miller, excuse me, and Lanil Yu's graphic novel Super Crooks. Uh, Matanabu Hori serves as the director at Bones, uh, alongside the composition writer Dai Sato and character designer Takashi Matani. Um. All of those little from, from other animes that you would know about at this point. Uh, in addition to the previously announced uh, Kenjiro Suda as the protagonist, Johnny. Um, well, this is a Japanese cast, so the, the, that's less relevant to us as it is. But we assume at some point it's definitely going to come to um, to the U.S. at some point. And it seems that Toate, uh, music, uh, musician Toate, is doing the soundtrack, which is cool. I like his music. Or their music. Um, not to think about it. So, see, the 13th episode. Oh, okay. So, it is actually going to be on Netflix um, next month, November 25th. Uh, 13 episodes. So, there you go. Check that out if you feel like it. Next. All right, next up, Demon Slayer shows off fiery Tanjiro transformation. So uh, this is uh, mild spoilers for uh, the current Mugen Train arc uh, that is being played out on uh, being played out through uh, Demon Slayer. It is an adaptation of the Mugen Train movie. So uh, basically what we see is a fiery transformation that is part of this particular portion of the Mugen Train story. And it is highlighted in this past week's episode. So there's not much to say here because, um, you know, I don't I'm not in I'm not going to spoil the story, but it's an interesting bit of imagery and um, animation that you can take a look at in this article. Kaioken times five. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not an internal, it's not an internal fire. Let's put it that way. Sure. Um, yeah, I saw it again. I pulled that, that article and I was like, yeah, okay. I guess I'm going to have to catch up with that kind of soon. Um, we'll see if that happens. Jojo Bizarre Adventure unearths first look at cars. Uh, Nendoroid. Uh, let's see. In the time before stands were a regular fixture of um, <laughs> uh, of JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. If you are not um, if you're not aware of what that means, yes, you should catch up with uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. It's kind of batshit. Anyway, um, it's on my list. It's on my list. I'm not sure. I'm I'm on a break right now with my anime um, uh, list watching, so I haven't yet decided where I want to pick up. I don't know if I want to go back to Berserk, like the 97, 98 version, and mm-hmm. to, to get the beginning of that, or if I just want to start fresh with something else. I mean, yeah, Berserk's kind of a hard proposition given how how dark it gets, so I understand that. <laughs> right, and, and, and you recall I, I started off watching the most, you know, like the second half, you know, the I watched it out of order, and that just right. throws me off, so I need to kind of refresh my, uh, uh, refresh my palate, as it were. Sure. But uh, go on. 
So, yeah, so uh, I think this is for the current arc of uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, wait, wait, hold on. In time before it stands with a regular fixture, uh, an age of vampires and the power of the... Oh, yeah, I forgot about that part. Uh, the power of the Ripple reigns supreme in both Phantom Blood and Battle Tendency. And while Dio Brando might get the lion's share of attention as the biggest vampire of the series, the villain Cars was a worthy successor in part two. Uh, those JoJo fans who know... Anything of what I just said right now or probably like, or something we don't know. Uh, now the company Good Smile has revealed a new look at the Nidoroid. Actually, this probably should have gone uh, in the other section. But nevertheless, whatever. So this is basically about the toy uh, version of um, this character. So for the vampire leader of the Pilar, the Pillar Men, who caused quite a few problems for Joseph Joestar in his younger days... Uh, yada, yada, yada. Pre-orders are open to the public for this Nidoroid, uh, on October 28th, which was today as of this recording. Um, uh, giving fans of Battle Tendency another piece of merchandise to celebrate the early days of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure before stands again were in, before stands showed up. And again, if you don't know what that means, yeah, there were, there were a couple of chapters before it really got batshit. <laughs> so yeah um doesn't seem to be a price on here or maybe there is a price on here but it's in japanese so i don't know and actually i don't see a price on even in there but nevertheless i'm sure uh if you're enterprising enough and you will find a way to get this if you are so inclined next uh you're muted Sorry about that. I was uh, imbibing earlier. <laughs> Drinking, really. It's nothing alcoholic, folks. Netflix's Cowboy Bebop first trailer for the live-action adaptation was released, and you can watch it right now. So um, it gives us a new take on the beloved anime franchise. It carries a style that pays homage to the anime, anime produced by Sunrise, with composer Yoko Kano returning for this new series to give it the unique flair that made the classic show so well thought of. So, uh, you know, it's cast by, you know, the, the, the cast includes John Cho as Spike Spiegel, Mustafa Shakir as Jet, and uh, Daniela Pineda as, uh, uh, what's her face, Valentine. Faye Valentine, yeah. Faye Valentine, yes. Mm-hmm. So, one important note to know about this, and I haven't seen this particular trailer, but uh, I do know from seeing other articles because there were other posters and whatnot, and there was an article about uh, Daniela Panetta's favorite character, or favorite co-host. Uh, no surprise because it's everybody's because Ayn shows up, and that's what I'll that's what I've been waiting for. Um, so I didn't watch this particular trailer, but I'm looking forward to seeing. Whatever the hell this is, however, this <laughs> when this uh, shows up next month. Uh, next up, let's see. Miss Marvel teaser trailer arriving very soon, according to a report. Uh, so there's a new t- teaser trailer for Disney Plus's Miss Marvel that may arrive sooner than expected. Um, according to some Twitter account, uh, the trailer will arrive on Disney Plus Day, which is November 12th. This wouldn't be a surprise, I mean, honestly, because I believe we got first got wind of the Miss Marvel series last year's Disney Plus Day uh, at that infamous earning call where we found out a whole bunch of uh, other the, uh, shows that have now cropped up. Uh, 
But uh, the day would also see the reveal of new projects and the arrival of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, uh, Rings on uh, Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, like I said, this is, this is a report coming from somewhere. Not surprised that this is the case. Uh, we'll guess we'll find out uh, when that actually happens. Next up. Next up, uh, Ms. Marvel merch names new superpower possibly confirming an MCU change. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. So let me get into this, folks. Let me open up this article and see what's what. Um, right. So the so it offers up the first official look at Kamala Khan's powers, which look to be different than the comics. So, um, yeah, people have had issues with this on online. Yeah. The official promotional poster shows the hero using a new set of powers. The image is officially labeled crystal smash, which may offer a clue as to how her abilities will be represented in live action form. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, rumors circulated this past summer that Kamala Khan will be sporting a new set of powers. This stemmed from concept art featuring Kamala's hand surrounded by glowing crystal-like aura. Now this new listing from Pyramid International all but confirms that the hero will be connected to crystals in some way. Okay. So we'll see what this change is and whether or not they completely take her away from the Inhumans. Right. So apparently she won't have her stretchy powers. She may not marry... Well, I guess we don't know whether she's going to embiggen or not. Um... Which, I don't know, I have a problem with that slightly, because you would think the tech to be able to do that, as we have seen in the Fantastic Four movies, is possibly not that hard to do, even with, no matter how it comes off. Right. So, I don't right. know. And her powers are technically different from Reed's. Sure. So, you know, you wonder if they're just trying to make her extra different? We don't know yet, but right. I would rather that they stick to the source material in this case. Agreed. Next Including time. the Inhumans, you know, which I know they've taken a lot of crap because of their failed uh, uh, attempt at a movie and TV series. But, you know, my 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 gut still says you can pull off a more simplified Inhumans if you actually gave it some money and gave it some real effects and told a decent story. Right. But I, again, I think like we talked about prior to the show, I think there's they're kind of still going away from the thing. They're basically reversing their position. Partially probably because of that, but but because of the fact that now we have mutants kind of back in the MCU. Well, potentially about to have mutants back in the fold, so they're kind of pushing away from the whole mutants uh, in humans thing. Right, 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 right. I definitely feel that as well, but I don't think they should. That's my point. I agree. I totally agree with you on that. So, so yeah. So because the universe is wide enough. Right. But also, you know, think the universe that, is wide enough for it. But whether or not the movie, whether or not they think the movie, uh, the moviegoers' uh, 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 comprehension will be like stretched too much <laughs> by like boom, boom. multiple concepts of superpowered people, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, next up, uh, this is actually kind of cool news. Uh, Jeremy Renner confirms a major Hawkeye development in, in the Disney Plus uh, series. So, long story short, he's uh, going to be wearing an, um, a hearing aid, which confirms the fact that he is just comic accurately deaf. Or at least partially deaf. Partially, yes. Well, still, yeah. Uh-huh. 
It's still now whether they go into that. The, this is the curious part for me is like whether they go into how he got it because I figure that that's going to change from the comic book version. Obviously, what was it in comics? I forget. Um, he in his first miniseries, he and Mockingbird was going up against Crossfire, and he ended up having to use a Sonic Arrow to get out of it and cause him to go deaf. Hmm. Here I was thinking, although he didn't really show it in Endgame, but when he was basically at uh, ground zero of that missile strike right. from Thanos' ship. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if that, if they'll say that was the cause of his hearing loss, because I don't know if he did any communicating with anyone beyond his earpiece. Right. You know, maybe with maybe with Nebula. Right. You know, and Gamora, that's about it. So it's hard to say. Right. Yeah, exactly. There's been no there's been no mention of that anywhere in the MCU at all. And if if that is the case, then that would be how we find out about it. So or so they'll I assume they're gonna address it somewhere in the series. I don't know. We we don't know. Uh but the fact that they have it is kinda cool because of the fact that it's like I said, it's comic accurate. Whether the origin of it is different or not is is still kinda cool. All right. Next. Uh, next up, Marvel's What If documentary reveals a sweet origin of Star Lord T'Challa's nickname and major and a major season two tease. I have not watched this yet, so I'm not going to read this entire article. Yeah, neither have I. But I know it came out. I definitely saw it on my Disney Plus. I just didn't get around to watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first season of Marvel's What If is over, and just like other MCU projects before it, it now has its own uh, Marvel Studios assembled episode on Disney Plus that delves into the making of the series. I actually watched the Black Widow one, and oh. then I think I saw that the What If one uh, came out maybe the day after. Mm-hmm. So it was very much well. I mean, soon after. Let's say soon after, because I don't. I wasn't. I wasn't on. I wasn't uh, logged in or, or, or watching when uh, the Black Widow assembled documentary first came out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, most of the new forty-minute episode focuses on the history of the What If comics and the core creative team who brought season one's nine episodes to life. And there were some insights into the making of season one and what we may see in season two that will be that will be of interest to MCU fans. And I'll leave it at that. Right. Yeah. So interestingly enough, when I first caught wind of this article, there there was a tease to I think as a matter of fact, I believe this the article's title had changed for interesting reason. Uh because the the the, the byline here was in the title. But nevertheless, you know, we won't get into all of that. I just found that kind of interesting. Uh pardon me a second here while I pull something over on this side and this right here. Oops, I didn't mean to do that. And uh, next up, boop. Spider-Man Tom Holland um explains why he hasn't spoiled No Way Home. Let's just go ahead and say probably partially because of the Disney snipers. But also, uh it says here that the latest uh issue <laughs> exactly. uh, The snipers are out there. They they very much are. Uh, the latest issue of Empire is, is all about the upcoming Spider-Man film. Uh, that would be Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, let's see. The, the two covers tease the arrival of various villains from the previous films, adding more fuel to the fire that the, the movie will involve the multiverse, and fo- former Spider-Man actors Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. 
Uh, quote unquote, I didn't know Holland said about the rumors of a live action spider verse and more versions of the spider man of Spider-Man coming to the MCU. I'm always in the dark. Uh, if they are, no one's told me because of his penchant for spoiling things in the past. (laughs) It's why they didn't tell him. Um, so the question came after Holland revealed a specific scene in the film, uh, will evolve a discussion about being a superhero. It's four people sitting at a table having a conversation about what it's like to be a superhero. It goes on from there. We don't uh, with uh, some people that would probably be, um, you know, attached to to Spidey at this point. So we don't necessarily need to have to go through the rest of that. But hey, uh, apparently there's a fourth person that we don't get named in this article, and uh, Holland didn't clarify on that. So I guess we'll find out when we find out. Should we fi- when we find out next up? Expendables 4 taps the raids Aiko Uwe uh, to play villain. Uh, according to Deadline, Aiko Uwe Uwe will play the main antagonist in the Lionsgate film. Uwe is best known for his role as Rama in The Raid Redemption and The Raid 2, as well as Lee Noor and Mile 22 and Hardmaster in Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins. Star Wars fans will also remember him as Kanji Club member Razu Ken Fee in The Force Awakens. Oh, geez. Waste is the latest recruit for the new Expendables film, along with Megan Fox, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson, Jacob Scipio, Tony Ja, and Andy Garcia. They join returning stars Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Dolph Lundgren, and Randy Couture. Okay. So, um, every time I see this guy's name, I just want to sing the Ico Ico song. Hey now, hey now, I go, I go away. Sure, okay. Um, hey, <laughs> we all have our, you know, subconscious is subconscious uh, uh, ticks here, right? Sure, agree. this is definitely uh, a, a reference that is, uh, you know, probably I'm probably not the only one. <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm probably not the only one when they see this dude's name, they think of that song, probably. Um, I, I'm happy to see him getting more work and yeah, we'll, we will forgive him for snake eyes. Although he did, you know, for as little, they used him in snake eyes. He had a pretty good turn there. Um, and I'm having just also relatively recently, uh, watched the, the first raid movie and enjoyed it. Like I said, happy to see him. I did not know he was in force awakens, but then again, they really didn't focus on conjure club that, that much. Conjure club. Tell it the Conjure Club. Um uh for that one scene that they even mentioned any of that in, so that's that's kind of funny. Anyway, last but not least in the cinematic news, uh Masters of the Universe Revelations returns with a powerful trailer for part two. Uh so I watched this right before the show, and yeah, unsurprisingly, some things get undone that we thought was done. Or not necessarily undone, but things don't go the way don't go fully the way it seems at the end of, if you've watched that first part. Uh, part of it does, part of it doesn't. And, you know, it all leads to something. But the um, but the trailer is interesting, to say the least. If this image that you are seeing on the um, on the um, on the video version, and sometimes you should check out the video version, folks, if you're just watching the uh, listening to the audio section uh, portion of the show. Um, you may want to check out sometimes. So, yeah. They, um, 
I guess this this uh, this this uh, this next part is going to go places. It feels like they kind of gave away a lot of stuff too that's going to happen, but maybe not. So I don't know. This this it feels like they could have left some stuff on the table, um, some revelations as it were, for for what's going to happen in this thing, including something that has to do with this uh, image. But regardless, hey, if you haven't checked, have you checked? Have you seen this? I have not. Okay, well, you check it out. You let me know how you, what you think about it. Because you did watch the the first part, right? Oh, wait, we're talking about the trailer. Yes, we're talking about the yes, trailer. I, it, yes, I did. I apologize. The trailer I have. Okay. The trailer I have. This trailer with the, the new quote-unquote powerful He-Man. Yes. Yes, the hulked out He-Man. Uh, but yeah, like I said, check it out at your leisure. It will be in the show notes. And that, folks... Uh, is the end of the cinematic news, and we push over to the comic book news. And we start off with a little toy news, by the way, which uh, comes from Hasbro ProsCon 2021. Power Rangers Lightning Collection is revealed at this event, it seems. So it says here, because of this article, the biggest news of, um, well, according to this article, I would argue, uh, some would say the next stuff will be, the next couple of articles would be bigger news to some folks. But the biggest news out of Hasbro's PulseCon's uh, Power Rangers panel fittingly involves giant robots. It's the Zord, Zord Ascension project, which uh, won't start hitting full retail for some time. The initiative creates intricately detailed and fully articulated Megazoids into 1.44 uh, scale with tiny Power Rangers minifigs that cheat the scale slightly. First up will be the classic uh, Mighty Morphin Dino Megazord, who will stand 11 inches. Um, a special black and gold variant will come with a Power Rangers NFT. Oh, Jesus coming soon to Hasbro Pulse. Do they have any pictures of these things? Uh, so apparently, let's see, what else is in here? Let's see, a Zeo Cog Army Builder, Dino Charge Pink Ranger, and Wolf Ranger, Dino Fury Red Ranger, and it looks like uh, Power Rangers in Space um, Blue Ranger on his Galaxy Glider, glider excuse me. And apparently there's a hint that... Um, the rest of the team will be on. Interesting that it's the Blue Ranger and not the Red Ranger. So that's, that's interesting. Uh, which I just found out the dude that played the the, the Red Ranger on um, Power Rangers in Space is streaming on um, Twitch nowadays, which is and and owns a comic book store. So that's okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Or is it a toy store? I can't remember. I think it's a comic book store. Regardless, so I, I just found that out recently. So that's kind of amusing. Anyway. Uh, I believe that is it. Like I said, the the other stuff that I mentioned is uh is in there also, and there are pictures to uh the image to 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 the stuff that was presented there. Next up, right. So as Rodicat mentioned, this past weekend was Hasbro's PulseCon, and they announced over a uh, a couple of days all of the uh the new toy announcements. One of them was a new Star Wars Black Series HasLab project. And that project is a Rancor that is in scale with the uh, Star Wars Black 6-inch action figures. So this Rancor action figure is going to be the largest Black Series figure to date, standing at 17.5 inches tall with a 42-inch wingspan, 45-plus points of articulation, and more. It is... 
they're looking to hit 9,000 units at a price of $350 on this Kickstarter style uh, uh, crowd um, crowdfunded project. The project will end on December 6th, 2021. There are going to be four unlocked tiers that will be available, one at 11,000, one at 13,500, and then two more to come. So this is, if you've ever wanted uh, a Rancor that is in scale with your six-inch figures, guess what? You're about to get one. It's going to cost you a pretty penny, but you're also going to have some unlocked here, so you're sure to get some extra figures with that as well. Mm -hmm. And if you're, again, watching the video version, you will see images of said uh, Rancor along with the Stormtrooper about to meet and (laughs) about to meet his demise. Or in one picture... Yeah, about to meet his demise. Uh, next up, I was about to say, were I a big Star Wars person, I'd probably want to get this. Three fifty is steep, but I probably would want to get this. Yeah, which is kind of funny for you because considering the 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 um. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen, the one that I really wanted was Galactus, and I, I and, and I and I begged out because I was like, that's just a little too much. Right, and the and the uh, the decision over not getting that Sentinel. Well, the Sentinel is not so bad. Mm-hmm. I don't feel bad about the Sentinel. It's the Galactus that, I, that I'm, I'm probably going to have some uh, uh, non-buyer's remorse. We'll put right. it that way. Sure. Because what will end up happening is that I pay more for it later on, and then I'll be kicking myself. Quite frankly. And on that note, um, here's a recap of the Marvel portion of uh, PulseCon 2021. So it uh, seems here that uh, there will be, see, all of the following figures will be available in spring 2022 at most retailers, unless stated otherwise, according to this article. Uh, let's see, we start off with Marvel Legends retro figures, which will be $20.99. Uh, fans will be able to get X-Men multi-pack figures that will come in both with both Wolverine and Phoenix where, uh, wearing classic costumes. See, this will be available exclusively through Hasbro Pulse. There's also Falcon, Mr. Fantastic, and Venom for $10.99 a piece. And you can see images. Uh, you can see the pictures of those characters as I'm scrolling through them. Yeah, this is the smaller, uh, I'm sure Roddy Cat mentioned it, this is the smaller three and three quarter inch style uh, scale figures. I did not, but thank you for saying that. Uh, so we move on to the six inch, uh, Marvel Legends figures that were revealed. There's a new Captain America and Iron Man figures. I think I believe they're, they're in a, uh, set together for 3149 at Fan. Oh no, they're not. They're separate. Oh, are they? Okay. Yes. The Iron Man and the Captain America, these, uh, retro, uh, figures are sold separately. I thought I remember reading about a set with them two in it, but okay, maybe that's a different thing, or or I imagined it probably. Um, so I stand corrected. Uh, let's see, there's a Wolverine and a Jubilee figures based off the X Men the animated series for twenty six ninety nine a piece. Right, these are renderings right now. They don't have anything solid to show us, but one of the things, one of the funny things that is included with the animated Wolverine is that uh, framed picture of Scott and Jean Grey that has become a meme for Wolverine <laughs> to stare at longingly. Yes. Um, so, yeah, scrolling through these pictures, there was a Captain America. There's the Iron Man, complete with a, um, a comic book cover. Backboard, backing it, it appears, or maybe that's a comic book. I don't know. I'm sure what that is. Um, and then there's the Jubilee. 
there's the Wolverine and the aforementioned uh, Wolverine with the picture, <laughs> which is always funny to see. And of course, the box art. Uh, let's see. There's also, oh, shoot. Oh, that's right. I did see this. I think, uh, there's a Scarlet Witch and her West Coast Avengers look. I think the later look and vision from his West Coast Avenger look, which I'm going to assume is blank vision. Yep. It sure is. We also get, yeah, the blank vision. I was about to say the blank vision is definitely a repaint of, uh, older figure and the Scarlet Witch is a reissue. That is the Scarlet Witch that came out with, um, that that came out in the three pack with Magneto and Quicksilver. Gotcha. And there's also a Winter Soldier from uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So we see This that. is pretty cool because this is a redo of the Winter Soldier figure, the bad Winter Soldier figure that came out with that that came out for the movie mm-hmm. with Captain, you know, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It is uh, redone. They redid the face to more to look more like Sebastian Stan. And they redid the pew pews as someone I, I read online uh, uh, put it. They redid all his guns to make them more realistic. Gotcha. And there's the vision, there's the packaging. And here's the two-pack that you were thinking of. As you come all, uh, uh, coming up, as you scroll down. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a Sam Wilson, Captain America. I believe that is also a two-pack with Cap, looks like, from the back of this. Yes, that is the two-pack you were thinking of. Uh, no, well, no, not this one, because there was a... I thought I read something about a Captain America Iron Man two pack, but I, like, oh okay, that, yeah, but yeah, this is another two pack with uh with Steve and Sam as uh that, and there is the right the and, the, and, and the good part about this is that you know they're putting it in with you know to give to give everyone a shot at uh, getting um another end game Captain America because not everyone was able to get that end game Captain America with uh, Mjolnir. Unfortunately, this set does not have Mjolnir in it, but you do get Sam as Captain America, so uh, there's a little bit of give and take with this, but ultimately you get the two MCU Captains America uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, without uh, John Walker <laughs> Thankfully um, Yeah, no wings but we do get the backpack for Sam Wilson's uh, uh, cap, so, you know Next up, though Alright, next up Disney announces a new cruise line exclusive Avenger show. Imagineer Danny Hanke reveals that Disney Cruise Lines' upcoming Avengers-themed dinner theater show will feature major stars from the MCU. Uh, let's see. Uh, Hanke says he's so excited to share that the stars of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are lending their talents to this first-of-its-kind adventure. Uh, at Worlds of Marvel, our guests will be part of a real-life Avengers mission as they watch some of their favorite heroes in action. Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp, Anthony Mackie as Captain America, and Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. Okay. Um, Hanky also revealed that Carrie Condon has re-signed, has signed on to reprise her role as the voice of Friday, while actor Ross Marquand will lend his vocals to the villainous Ultron. The Avengers Quantum Encounter show will follow Ant-Man and the Wasp as they present some of the most powerful superhero technologies in the world and demonstrate the latest and greatest advances from PimTech. Uh, things will get messy when Ultron shows up and things go from there. I'm looking for a price and a schedule. Um, price and a schedule. So uh, Avengers Quantum Encounter is set to debut on the Disney Wish as part of the Worlds of Marvel in summer 2022. It, it's funny. Uh, I how, still can't find a price. 
It's funny how they're finally tying Pym to Ultron, and this is the way they do it. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny to me. For those who don't know the origin, yeah. Uh, yeah, the actual origin, the comic yes, book origin. Yes, Hank Pym was the one who made Ultron and not Tony Stark. Right. And not off of an AI um, that, you know, that he made. But anyway, uh, next up, Black Panther number three. Oh, well, while Agent 70 is still looking for the price of that, uh, Black Panther number three will also be a 200th issue. Uh, from this press release that I'm seeing here, that this January, the third issue of the Academy Award winner, uh, writer, winning writer John Ridley and Marvel's Stormbreaker artist Juan Cabal's highly anticipated run on Black Panther will also mark the character's milestone 200th issue. Uh, to celebrate Black Panther number three will be an oversized issue with bonus stories celebrating the past and foreshadowing the future of the Black Panther and the world of Wakanda. Uh, Ridley will also introduce a new hero who rises up to protect the people of Wakanda while T'Challa finds his life uh, and role as Black Panther thrown into turmoil again. Uh, fans will be able to witness the beginning of this new hero's journey before seeing him under uh, before seeing him become a key player of Ridley's run in future issues. So they're basically going to do what they did. Uh, you know, I guess that was Priest Run. Um, well, I guess that's a different also thing where because um, uh, Black Panther T'Challa became Daredevil for a minute. Right. Yeah. You know, so I guess they're doing kind of a, a similar thing. But I think, I've, well, not unlike the fact that Shuri took over the role of uh, Black Panther also, but um, apparently they're not going to do that again. They're choosing for whoever this other new person is. So, yeah, we'll see how that is come January. Uh, January's 26th, to be specific. Next up. All right. So just a few more tidbits on Avengers Quantum Encounter. So it's not as I was thinking, a live action show with these actors and actresses, or these actors, you know, mm-hmm. to put it uh, uh, properly. What it is, is well, you know, what, what this actually is, is they have designed the restaurant with immersive cinematic technology, including hundreds of screens. I'm taking this off of the Disney Parks blog that this entry was put, that this uh, news is posted on. They've designed the restaurant with immersive cinematic technology, including hundreds of screens and special effects embedded throughout. Filming with the actors has already wrapped, and we are now working on the post-production editing and effects. So, because most of the battle takes place on the upper decks of the ship, they're recreating it in photorealistic CGI while the real Disney Wish is still under construction. That's the ship, I guess. Um, So, this is more like a, 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 a virtual reality experience. Gotcha. Okay. All right, cool. But yeah, that wasn't clear from the article that we had. So right, although it should have been, you know, because I was thinking honestly, I was thinking, how on earth did they Shanghai these poor folks to be on a cruise? I thought that when I first saw the article, then I was like, no, there's no way. And then I kind of read through it, and I was like, nah, they didn't. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but I figured they, yeah, like they kind of suggested they kind of kind of got them for some some video for it or something, you know? Uh, right, there's. I feel like there's no way in the world they would have gotten all those people just for a cruise. That would have been nuts. All right. So uh, I got next. Yes. 
The Kingpin endangers many heroes in Devil's Reign. So we have talked about this crossover event coming up in December and January. Devil's Reign, the upcoming Marvel Comics event, spinning out of Chip Zdarsky and Marco Coquetto's Eisner-nominated run on Daredevil, kicks off in December and come January 2022, all hell will break loose as Kingpin's reign threatens every corner of the Marvel Universe, overtaking your favorite characters in multiple new tie-in series and one-shots. This far-reaching saga will center around Kingpin as he embarks on a vicious quest to rid the world of every last superhero through any means necessary. Good luck, Wilson Fisk. Indeed. Uh, Marvel writer Dan, Sl- Dan Slott calls the Reckoning Roar his Star Wars, quote-unquote, a combination of his career and fandom. So yeah, this is, um, so as we know, um, uh, in the pages of Fantastic Four, Reckoning War is coming up, uh, and then Slot is writing it because he is the writer of, of um, Fantastic Four. Uh, it says here the spring event will feature the Fantastic Four, She-Hulk, Silver Surfer, Jack of Hearts, who's been long since dead in the pages of Marvel, actually, The Watcher, and the original Nick Fury, who has been in purgatory of sorts as the Unseen for the past few years. Uh, the storyline will then continue in the ongoing Fantastic Four book, beginning in with January's uh, Fantastic Four number 40, with an arc drawn by Rachel Stott. And yeah, this was uh, this was originally announced in August of 2021 as a massive rollout, rollout of eight Marvel tentpole titles of 2022. Uh, and according to this article, um, Reckoning War would be a major storyline in Slot's current Fantastic Four run, which we already know. Uh, let's see. Kicked off by a lead, a lead-in one-shot, Fantasy IV: The Reckoning War Alpha Number One, drawn by Carlos Pacheco. So, yeah. Um, it says it was originally teased as the rekindling of Marvel's un- original Secret War. So, Slot says that they're not referring to any of the Secret Wars uh, the fans know of, but something much, much older. And I'm just going to let that sit from where it is because we'll find out. You know, you can read this article if you want to know a little bit more about that. But, um, you know, ever since I found out about this, I've been kind of curious about it. We kind of, I feel like we have seeds of what is going to be entailed in this, but we there's a lot we still don't know. So, but this whole Jack of Hearts thing, which is, is kind of interesting because he died in, um, <laughs> he died um, in, um, Disassembled. Disassembled, yeah. But I just looked up something, and I'm sending it over to Roddicat as we speak. You'll hear the sound effect in a second. Ah, okay. Right, so if you pull that open, if you if you click on that and you open it, there is a section here on his revival, and apparently it happened in the pages of a Marvel Zombies book. Really? So I am not sure how this ties into regular Marvel continuity. Yeah, maybe we'll find out. Um, Oh, wait. uh, Would later be brought back to life by Project Predators and using Z-Energy Zombie Squadron Supreme. Uh, Right, if you look at the footnote, it was a Marvel Zombies issue. Right. Marvel Zombie Zombie Supreme Supreme. Mm -hmm. issue. So, Project so, Pegasus is once again reared its ugly head, and 
Yeah, interesting, I guess. Jack of Hearts is never a character I was big on, even when he was on the Avengers. Um, but I, sure, I, somebody's gonna. Hey, we haven't seen, I was about to say, we haven't seen him, uh, much since then. This is not a recent story. Right. This Jack of Hearts, uh, this Jack of Hearts story. Right. I mean, this, um, the Zombie Supreme miniseries. I don't know what year this is, but it's definitely not recent. Yeah, I guess I gotta click through and find that out, but I, Kind of don't care, and especially since you you mentioned zombies. So, yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll. I'm sure there there's going to be some recalling of his uh, death and disassembled, and because I believe She Hulk was there at the time. Now that I think about it, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So we're gonna in hey. any event, right? In any event, next up, Ghost Rider turns fifty. I'm 50! And Marvel declares 2022 the year of vengeance. Marvel teases the return of Ghost Rider ahead of this anniversary, labeling 2022, as I said, the year of vengeance and promising a new series. The publisher released a teaser image featuring Johnny Blaze and the many different incarnations of Ghost Rider with the accompanying text, the year of vengeance. The teaser image was by Ryan Stegman. Um... This is a celebration of, you know, this signals a celebration of the franchise in 2022. Marvel also announced that it will be releasing a new Ghost Rider ongoing series next year to coincide with the anniversary. This will be the first Ghost Rider series since Ed Brisson ended his run on the character during the King in Black crossover event. Uh, Other characters shown in the uh, image include the prehistoric Ghost Rider of 1 million BC, Danny Ketch, Cosmic Ghost Rider, Spirit Rider, Ghost Rider 2099, Vengeance, Robbie Reyes, and Alejandra Jones, among others. Also features the Phantom Rider. And exactly. uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. So yeah, that that's basically it. So um anyone who's a fan, I actually am a fan of Ghost Rider. So I am mildly excited for this mm-hmm. to see where this goes because we've seen Robbie Reyes. Ghost Rider's never really left our consciousness because we've seen Robbie Reyes in the pages of Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of played a backseat role, but he's still there on the active roster. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, I guess it'll be somewhat interesting, but the question is, are you a fan of the movies? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I've never watched any of the movies. I was so annoyed by them. Oh, did I, ever, did I ever tell you what method man told me about that? No, please share. The one time I met Method Man at New York Comic Con, I said, hey, what did you, you know, this is part of our, like, very brief conversation. So what did you think of the Ghost Rider movie, the first Ghost Rider movie? It might have been after the second one. Mm-hmm. I you know, I think it was after the first one. I don't know if the second one had come out yet when I spoke to him. He said, oh, man, they F that S up. <laughs> yep. You know, that makes and sense. I was like, yeah, I agree. I didn't even watch it, and I agree. I remember watching 20 minutes of the first one, and as soon as he turned into Ghost Rider, I turned the shit off. Mm. That that could tell you something. That could tell you nothing. Who knows? But I, that that says a lot. I can say, should say, because as Agent Seventy say, well, no, I will sit through almost anything. <laughs> was it like a horror thing, or was it just not? I mean, because my understanding is that the origin is relatively faithful. It's just that the story is stupid. Basically, 
Yeah, and obviously back, you know, the quality. And this is so the Johnny Blaze uh, Ghost Rider. Correct, and it was Nicolas Cage playing said character. Right, right. So, you know, all of that put together, um, yeah. Um, I I would still revisit it. Uh, and in fact, I probably will at some point because now I have a slightly different tolerance <laughs> than I did back then for it. Um, gotcha. Excuse me, but obviously it hasn't been any time soon that it's going to happen. Regardless, yeah, that 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 it was a whole thing. Um, uh, and again, like, oh, is it on HBO Max? I believe it is. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Both of them might be. I'm not sure about the second one. Um, so yeah, I may have to dive in and just take one for the team. (laughs) You know what? I feel like if we were set up to do like a um uh, a Twitch. Like well, a we joint are watching. Yes, exactly. Um, if we were set up properly and we could get away with doing that, well, we could still do it an audio version, like a treasure edition or a um, mystery science theater style watching while we're both watching and you know commenting on it at the same time. We could mm-hmm. possibly do mm-hmm. set up something like that. I'm not promising anything, but I'm just saying that is the thing that could potentially ha- that could have potentially. Oh happened. my gosh, it absolutely is on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, that would be something I would definitely have to have some uh, drinks for because holy hell. Uh, but like I said, the, like I was going to say in passing, uh, the quality back then was not great as opposed to because this was before the MCU and you know, um, yeah, they really didn't give that much of a fuck about the characters or the story or the budget. There was not much of a budget you can pretty much tell for those movies because it was a different time i mean considering that i'm on a a, a, on a brief hiatus for my anime rewatch i'm wondering if this isn't the time to jump in and like i said take one for the team and see uh see see if i can make my way through these ghost rider movies Mm -hmm. well stay tuned for the answer to that folks moving right along uh (laughs) the death i'm looking for where i'm looking for for where uh, part two is streaming yeah, it's probably out there. I don't know. Uh, probably on Hulu or something. Who knows? Uh, the death of Doctor Strange uncovers a new facet to the origin of the, of new Marvel hero White Fox. So this is strange to me because I'm I know it's been teased that there's some sort of mystical nature to this character who is relatively new to the universe. Uh, I believe this this uh, character came out of a video game. Uh, so the fact that they're tying this character in with uh, the Death of Doctor Strange is weird in itself. But anyway, um, it's, no, it's, I, w- I would say hold on, hold on to that thought. Not necessarily. Uh, I think White Fox has some spirit-based power, so I think right. that's how they're going to tie it in. Right. Because right, and her- both Ghost Rider movies are on HBO Max. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. Good lord. Um, maybe that's how I'll celebrate Halloween, huh? Give myself a fright. <laughs> I, I don't. Well, I don't know. I don't know if those will do it for you, but sure, they'll definitely be scary. Well, when I say fright, reasons. I mean fright at what on earth Hollywood was thinking with putting Nicolas Cage in exactly. the motorcycle seat. Well, we know he was a big fan. Obviously, we know because he's a big fan of the the property and really, really wanted to and comics, right? Right. So that was the the impetus behind that. Doesn't mean just because you can't do it doesn't always mean that you should. You should. Yep. Um, but given going back to the White Fox situation, yes, um, Agent Seventy is right by that, and yes, we have seen where this is is the case where her um, origins has some mystical uh, background to it. 
so, but that still, personally, like I said, still doesn't lend itself to wondering why. Like, obviously, she's sensitive, and because of what's going on in Death of Doctor Strange, that's where it all ties in. So I get that part. It's not that I don't. It's just still kind of weird. Um, so anyway, uh, Alyssa, Alyssa Wong returns to write the next White Fox adventure alongside artist uh, Andy Tong and colorist Arif Prianto. Uh, Doctor Strange's death has hurled our entire reality into an all-out war and chaos. Uh, magical invaders from countless dimensions uh, descend on Earth. One such threat will change the life of Ami. Is it Ami or Amy? I'm going to assume it's Amy, not Ami. And I keep saying Ami because of Sailor Moon. Don't worry about that. Uh, it mm-hmm. can be a white fox in a huge way. Um, Marvel editor Tom Groneman said, Where... Death, the, the death of Doctor Strange, White Fox was announced. Um, so yeah, as it says here, White Fox is the last of her kind, the last of her magical shape-shifting shifting beings known as the, Kami, uh, the Kamiho. Uh, her family, there it is. There's the tie. Yes. Uh, which I do remember, like I said, but it, like I said, there's a weird disconnect even with that to me because of where I know this, um, where this character originally came from. Either way, um, her family, the other Kamiho, are long gone. There's no one else on Earth that knows what it's like to be the White Fox until now. Uh, according to Marvel, a series of brutal killings and soul uh, paints White Fox as the only possible suspect. And it, uh, um, and I guess this is, you know, well, it'll go on there and tie into the death of Doctor Strange some kind of way. Although I feel like this is going to be one of those loosely connected because of, you know, what's happening in the pages or what stemmed out from what happened you know, after, because of his death, basically. Um, so yeah, there is that. And I believe we have da, 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 November 24th, when this goes on sale. So I'm sure we'll be talking about that when that happens next. All right. So, uh, you know, this is apropos. Excellent. <laughs> Milligan and all reds, elusive ecstatic spinoff arrives in February, 2022. This is a long delayed spinoff from Marvel comics. The excellent comes from writer, Peter Milligan. That is the title. Excellent. It comes from writer, Peter Milligan, artist, Michael Allred and colorist, Laura Allred, the creators behind the cult classic X-Men spinoff title, ecstatics. The excellent is an ongoing series that was originally announced over two years ago, pre-pandemic, but was delayed indefinitely, leaving many fans to question when it would come out. Now the wait is nearly over, and readers can look forward to the return of forgotten favorites like You Go Girl, Dupe, Mr. Sensitive, Zeitgeist, Anarchist, and Dead Girl in February 2022. So as I said earlier... Excellent! So... Yeah, two of those characters, one being... I, yeah, I guess this is where Dupe uh, was introduced in the pages of uh, Ecstatic, correct? Yes. And I guess Dead Girl also, because I think she's... Isn't she still around in uh, New Mutants? Is that the same? I think so. I mean, ultimately, some of these characters have seen, you know, as you said, Dupe, and I think Dead Girl as well, mm-hmm. have, have seen uh, appearances, you know, obviously thanks to... Uh, Krakoa, so presumably that's how all these characters come back. Sure. Yeah, alright. Uh, Iron Fist quits being a superhero in Marvel TV. We talked about this before the show. Uh, yes. Marvel Comics has announced that Danny Rand is seemingly hanging up his tights and calling it quits as the immortal Iron Fist. 
uh, a new tease from the publisher was released early, online earlier today, and that actually I believe was today as of this recording. Um, that reads Iron Fist No More, February 2022, uh, featuring a piece of art that directly homages the iconic Amazing Spider Man number 50 cover where Peter Parker was Spider Man No More, of course. Uh, further details about the storyline, such as the writer and the artist team that will bring it to life, were not disclosed. But as we approach the full uh, February 2022 solicits, expect a little more. Uh, one thing that we can surmise from this, according to this article at least, uh, is that this was already being set up by Marvel Comics in the most recent Iron Fist series. Uh, Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, which I totally haven't finished reading. I think I read the first few issues and just kind of... Uh, at the conclusion... You know what? I'm not going to go into it. Because, yes, this was um, written by Larry Hama and David R. Watcher on art. Uh, Danny Rand is powerless, apparently, at the end of this. And some other stuff, happens, but I guess I'll go back and finally finish reading this. So I guess that's what lends itself to um, uh, coming into this right now. So, yeah. That's the thing. Does it say who's writing it? Uh, no. Uh, no, it does not. They don't, apparently they don't have that information. But I guess we'll find out when the solicits come out. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, so we like I said, we talked about this before the show, and it's kind of funny that this is happening, and whether it needed to happen or not, you know, was a was a thing. You know, it's not like Iron Fist was like that that big of a character. I know uh, Agent Seventy kind of surmised it. But, well, I I don't want to speak for him, but I I, uh, I think I remember you saying that it might have had something to do with Shang Chi. Well, you know what. Some of the some of the uh, the negative press or some of the criticism of the Iron Fist Netflix show right. had to do with the fact that uh, you know there's definite issues with appropriation right. uh, when, when it comes to the Iron Fist uh, character and uh, you know it being um, kind of a, uh, a stereotypically uh, uh, white man you know learning the Asian arts of you know of whatever uh, type of story. Um, where, you know, those of us in the know, you know, I mean, some of the criticism involved uh, wanting to cast Danny Rand as an Asian character. I'm like, no, that's actually against the entire part of you know, the point of the story. And, you know, in, in an effort, you know, and, and while that was a well-meaning effort to try to increase representation, it was short-sighted, in my opinion, because Shang-Chi was a few years away. And it was just, you know, I think, um, uh, like I said, a short-sighted criticism that uh, just didn't see that Shang-Chi was in the pipeline and on its way uh, as a movie and as a character and as a uh, as a force in the MCU. Um, but with this, we're starting to see possibly, you know, we don't know comics is always giving us the illusion of change. So we don't know for sure how this is going to play out. But, uh, you know, we'll see if Marvel decides to court uh, controversy <laughs> amongst certain people and recast Iron Fist in another, uh, you know, with another character, a, a new character, hopefully. But uh, we'll see how that goes. I wouldn't mind it being pay. I'll be honest, because at the end of the day, she is established. Yes. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. Right. It'll be another legacy character. And I know some people have quote-unquote supposed issues with that for stupid reasons. Um, 
Right. And they've already established that the Iron Fist mantle is a mantle. Exactly. That gets passed along. And there have been, been these Iron Fists in the past, and there probably will be in the future. Right. So, and I guess as this article uh, mentions, and I have thought about myself, whether this will actually stick or not. Like, you right. know, because even, because it says here, even when Peter calls it quick, he, he wasn't long in staying away. So, you know, just because Danny is powerless now doesn't mean he couldn't possibly get it back, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, now I'm actually kind of curious to see how they how they play that off in, in, in that last miniseries. So I will definitely... It's interesting. I skimmed it. It was mm-hmm. interesting. So, mm-hmm. but uh, getting back to our next story, mm-hmm. She-Hulk number one variant cover by Art Germ harkens back to the John Byrne days. So this is a variant cover for the new number one of She-Hulk that is coming out uh, fairly soon. And it is... Um, and the cover that we're referencing is uh, Stanley Archerm Lau actually referencing the cover to She-Hulk number 43 from the John Byrne run. So I'm sure Roddy Cat is scrolling down to the uh, image of the two covers uh, next to each other where you have Stanley Archerm Lau's cover, mm-hmm. uh, variant cover for She-Hulk number one, and the sensational She-Hulk number 43 cover by John Byrne. Obviously, you can see if you're watching the video versions, you can see both covers and you can see the differences between them. But, you know, an homage is still an homage. So, <laughs> and it still plays. All right. Uh, next up, though, um, Avengers Forever. Russell Dodderman cover celebrates nearly every Black Widow ever. So, let's see. Uh, the mini looks of Black Widow get a special showcase on an upcoming variant cover for Avengers Forever. Um... Taken to Twitter, fab favorite uh, Marvel artist Russell Dodderman unveiled his art for the second issue of Avengers Forever. Dodderman will be drawing variants for this series, which focuses on a team of Avengers that come together from different universes. This has happened before, so... Yeah. Anyway, um, his line of covers captures the many different looks worn by various Avengers over the years, as well as multiversal premise of the title itself. Uh, after a magical Scarlet Witch-themed cover for the book's December debut issue, uh, the deadly designs of the Black Widow will be featured on Avengers Forever number two. Again, this is this is a thing that's happened before. Uh, you can see the tweet from Russell Dodderman and the 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 image uh, of the the various Black Widows throughout time and history and multiversal um, right there. If you're watching the video version. Next up. Next up, the Batman Unburied podcast has cast several uh, new names. Um, DC and Spotify have teamed up uh, to show a darker side of Batman. Really? Can it get darker? (laughs) The final casting news for their brainchild has arrived. In a video released during DC Fandom... The publisher's annual event last week, The Flash's Candace Patton announced that Gina Rodriguez, Sam Witwer, Emmy Raver Lampman, Jim Peary, and Jessica Marie Garcia have all joined the cast of Batman Unburied, a new scripted podcast turning the story of Gotham, Gotham's caped crusader into a psychological thriller. In a new spin, in a new spin on Batman story. God forbid they actually tell a good Batman story based off of existing mythology. 
where Bruce Wayne is now a forensic pathologist because rather than a billionaire playboy. These five new cast members play a number of key roles in the story. Rodriguez joins the cast as Barbara Gordon, daughter of police commissioner Jim Gordon, and a superhero operating under name uh, the name of, oh God, the Caped Crusader, while the other members include Whitwer as the Harvester, a gruesome cannibalistic serial killer, Raver Lampman as Kel, a medical student assisting Bruce Wayne in his work, Peary as Arnold Flass, a corrupt cop out for his own personal cop out for his personal gain that uh that hyphen is a poor isn't a very bad place in this article um and garcia as gordon's partner and friend renee montoya so the already uh expansive celebrity cast has already already includes winston duke as bruce wayne hassan minaj as the riddler lance reddick as thomas wayne tox olangudoye as martha wayne jason isaacs as alfred John Reese Davies as Dr. Hunter and Ashley Birch as Vicky Vale. Doom, doom, ding, ding, ding. Um, yeah, so this was this was um if anyone got that reference I just made, then I, I applaud you. Um so yeah, this came out this was announced at uh DC Fandom. We just didn't we just didn't get to it uh last week. So also I'm sitting here like, wait, forensic pathologist, so he's basically Barry Allen. Kinda, even though Barry Allen was CSI and slightly, it's a you know slightly. Different yeah, it's way. a different. Yeah, it's a different twist on it though. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, whatever. <laughs> Next up though, uh, new. I Black. am not the target demographic for this. Yeah, I guess you know basically because that's their. I'm a up. podcast listener. We're podcast producers. Yeah, but the the scripted podcasts are you know a way for these these creators to kind of stretch their wings when it comes to creating in the world of, you know, this uh the sandbox of licensed characters. So right. it's I, I I appreciate it, but at the same time, you know, people are still telling relatively fresh Batman stories with the same idea of Batman's origin. Sure. And yeah, obviously, you know, Marvel's been doing their thing with these scripted podcasts with the Wolverine and other stuff. And, you know, so yeah, sure. Somebody's listening to him. Uh, Nubia writer confirms trans Amazons are part of Wonder Woman's culture. Uh, and this comes from uh, Nubia and Amazon's number one kind of, uh, well, not kind of, but it does. But anyway, writer Stephanie Williams confirmed that Wonder Woman's home of the Masira uh, has trans Amazons and that one of them will play an important role in Nubia and the Amazons. Uh, if you've read Nubian's Amazons number one, you kind of get a hint of that already. Uh, in a series of tweets, Williams confirmed the popular fan uh, theory that the character of Bia, uh, Bia, Bia, is uh, a trans woman. In her own words, the answer to your burning question is yes, there are trans Amazons. Uh, one of the numerous Amazons is a black trans woman. This news coincides with the celebration of Wonder Woman's 80th anniversary and comes only days after the launch of Nubia and the Amazons number one, which we talked about last week uh, on the show. Uh, which fe- features Bia's first appearance. Uh, in this issue, she's one of the five new Amazons to be introduced to Themyscira after being reborn through the Well of Souls. So, yeah. Confirmed. Nice. Um, and I, I would say, read that book, because it's actually pretty good. Uh, period. Last but not least. 
Last but not least, Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons, debuts mind-bogglingly lush early preview. So this is an early preview of the upcoming Wonder Woman Historia, the Amazons, number one. According to a press release from DC, the series will explore the ancient history of the Amazons and add on to the Wonder Woman mythos and world. The series was originally set to debut on October 19th, but was pushed back to its current release date of November 30th. According to the creators, this is a book for fans to dive into the vast mythology that surrounds Wonder Woman and the Amazons, as well as their popularity in the modern world. Okay, so this book is a very much a conversation between Phil and me talking about these characters and what makes them reson, uh, resonant today, said writer Kelly Sue DeConnick. They wanted to do a Homeric epic with a woman at the center. Uh, they took all the language and iconography that we're, that they're used to in stories about men as heroes and put women at the center. Uh, okay. So this is uh, the Phil she's referring to is artist Phil Jimenez. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Kelly Connick's writing Wonder Woman, I believe, again, actually. I don't think she's written them before. Um, so, cool. Oh, so this is a DC black label book. So this is going to be like ex- oversized and extra, you know, extra priced probably. Mm-hmm. Seven ninety nine US, seventy two pages. There it is. Uh, and actually, it's one of three because apparently, uh, yeah, yeah, d- yeah. The the solicitation information says one of three, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and goes on sale ten nineteen. Uh, wait. Oh no! Now it's November. Whatever. That's the old solicitation oh, information. Right. 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 Right, right, right. Yeah, so, yeah, it's been pushed to November 30th. That's right. Uh, so, yeah. Nah, and that's it, folks, uh, for the news. And that's it for this particular show. Uh, let me do some little bit of switching here. Back to... Just two shot real quick. So, before we get into the ad read real quick, I didn't spring this on by hat. Um... So much disarray in this room. So sad, so sad. Uh, I got a very quick toy corner, actually. Um, that I, I kind of laughed. I just realized we're both using John Wick 3. I saw background. that earlier. Yeah, I know. I noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that this entire show. Mm-hmm. Like, I realized that about a good, a good 10, 15 minutes ago. I was like, huh, interesting. Um,. So I just yeah. like the fact that this is a real corner in Chinatown in Manhattan in New York City. So right. So yeah, uh, real quick toy toy corner news. It's not comic book related, but you know what? I got a new Punko Pop. It's Aaliyah, and here it is. It's all in, all in its glory. These things are kind of hard to find, um, but apparently they got a restock back at where I bought it from, and I won't say the name of where I got it from because they are not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor. <laughs> That is not the only reason why I'm not saying it, but hey, you know, it's it's a, a place where you would get such things. Um, okay, you know what? You because at, at first you don't succeed? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just so exactly. I've also been getting, uh, side side note. I've also been getting a very side note, and a very has nothing to do with anything we've been talking about. But I've been getting into Pokemon the card game because apparently there's a resurgence, and th- that was a thing that was before after my time. Actually, not before because you know for the for you younger little Jimmys and Jimettes. Uh But nevertheless, um, that will go into our next ad read, which I will be looking up 
for some more Pokemon cards. So there it is. Our last ad read of the night is for Amazon. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit CSPN.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Pokemon-related things. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, make sure to go to our link. Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. Also, if you shop at Amazon often, bookmark the link or add it as your homepage so that you can help the CSPN each time you order. We thank you for your support. Well, that's a new part of that. Um, no, it's just the additional part that I never read. It's the optional part I never read. Oh, gotcha. And actually, and what's actually kind of funny because during these times of pandemic, there have been a lot of Amazon purchases as I've talked to uh, with a, with a friend of mine, and we and a lot of people have been using Amazon, much to the chagrin of you know the big corporate waste that is Amazon. Uh, but oh, much to their yeah, much to their delete, much to their delight, exactly. But much to the chagrin of the uh, the the local stores that we would normally be frequenting. Exactly. Um, and that being said, um, yeah, there's there's probably gonna be winner, but I keep I'll keep forgetting to use our very own link for said purchases, <laughs> which is what I'm trying to get at. Uh, that that is a shameful admission. Um, but you don't think about it when you're doing impulse buys. <laughs> But anyway, folks, uh, we have come to the end of another uh, exciting episode of this Here Come Book podcast. Uh, I guess um, one note to, to find to note right now is that we will be on Movie Protocol next week because Eternals is coming out. Yes. Um, Agent 70 so stay- has his tickets. Oh, no. Go ahead. No, yes, I do have my tickets. Yes, Agent 70 has his tickets. i teetering on whether I'm going to go because I'm... I can't say I'm having the same issue that I did with uh, uh, Shang-Chi because knowing both of them were going to be theater only um, and coming to find out that Shang-Chi was not, <laughs> not going to hit Disney Plus when we thought it was going to. It was kind of a wrinkle that I wasn't expecting. Right. Um, so like Shang-Chi's not going to be Shang-Chi's not going to be on Disney Plus for another several weeks. Correct. No, it's going to it's going to be on there on that uh, on Disney Plus day to November 12th. Right. So, yeah. Uh, which is obviously a couple of weeks after this. Um, so we'll see. But definitely, I could do a show show low. I'm not making any promises on that. I may actually go see it myself. I don't even know what's going on. Uh, I'm right. still not in a going out to the movie theaters with other people type situation. Um, right. The level of comfort differs, and especially depending on your location and locale. So I definitely understand where Roddy Cat is coming from with this. Uh, you know, at least here in New York City, in order to get into a theater, you have to show proof of vaccination. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's some level of comfort there, but it's not, you know, it's obviously not 100% pre-pandemic levels. Ultimately, just pay attention to our social medias. Uh, to see if we will be recording, uh, you know, if Roddy Cat will be going solo that uh, Thursday evening, if you want to watch live, or if we're going to be going Friday or Saturday after. So uh, just uh, pay attention to that, and we'll let you know. Absolutely. And on that note, uh, I 
have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter. You can find me at C- uh, News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CBCaps on Instagram. Which I totally need to be updating, and I probably will do it for some stuff from this week because uh, there was some good art in this week's books. Um, agent underscore 70, speaking of art, you can find him at Twitter at Agent underscore 70 and Twitter and, and also in the, Instagram at the same name. Yeah, I fell behind on uh, on the, on October uh, due to a little bit of artist block and some uh, busyness. So I should be caught up by this weekend when Inktober ends. So uh, catch me on Instagram at agent underscore 70. Um, PC and underscore dirt on Twitter, popculturenet on Twitter, popculturenet.com and his umbrella sites therein. Uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, the Osiris of this ish. You can find him at uh, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can find him at CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comfort Chronicles Twitter account. You can find him on the Click Nation Twitter account. But you can definitely find him at comicbook.com. Almost slipped up there because he has a new job, but he's still writing his face off. Or at least we'll be starting to because I don't think he's... he's No, he's active. Is he? I haven't seen any um, articles. I just saw one. Oh, have you? Mm-hmm. You need to uh, slide me one real quick then, or at some point. So Yeah, I will. Because I went looking earlier, and I was like, I didn't see any. But um, regardless, find him at comicbook.com. Uh, thank you. You could find you can find this here podcast on the Coastal of Podcast Network. That's cspn.us. Do it today. Uh, you can also find us recording. Well, excuse me. You can also find us on your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can find us recording uh, every Thursday, with exception of next week, like I said, on uh, the YouTube channel of The Click Nation. That's youtube.com slash The Click Nation. Uh, and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, stay tuned to social media to find out whether there's going to be, well, when there's going to be a show next week. Because there will be one, just probably not on Thursday. Yes. Um, unless I decide to do one solo. We will see. But on that note, folks, uh, this has been the comic. Oh, wait. Oh, uh, sorry. Um, so just a couple of days before happy uh, for Halloween. Happy Halloween to those who celebrate. I know people that have been so kind of celebrating all month for yes. So there is that. So um, yeah, get you some candy. Make sure you go out the day after and get you some half price candy. <laughs> you know the vibes. Uh, but yeah, like I said, this has. I think been... you can get that half price candy right now. <laughs> yeah, actually, I think I have seen people doing just that. You know. From various outlets, so mm-hmm. yeah, uh, don't eat too much. Be be safe, you know, all that kind of good jazz. If you plan on going out and doing whatever, because I know there are probably Halloween par- uh, parties going on right now, right? Or at least going into this weekend. So yeah, they're all going to be. They're going to be all. You know, they're going to basically span tonight. Uh, this is th- you know we're recording Thursday night, mm-hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yep. But like I was saying, uh, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace, one. Oh, my time is up. Peace out to Brooklyn. 